The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Um, yeah, I am your host, Roddy Cat. This is this is this is going to be a swimmingly great night. I can tell already. Uh, I am your host, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. <laughs> and the sound effects you heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram, baby. What's up, everybody? We are back after a week off for Movie Protocol. Brooklyn! Oh, this is going to be great, folks. Two weeks, and this is this is just great, I'll tell you. Um, anywho, yes, folks, we are back after a, I guess, uh, after Movie Protocol... Um, so we got two weeks worth of books and, and, a, and some a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and get into it with, um, and I'll do the rest of the, the, the razzmatazz later on in the show. Um, uh, with Moon Knight, uh, episode six recap. That's right. And this episode is titled... Du, du, du. What is this episode titled? Because I'm scrolling Gods and Monsters. Right? And it's pretty appropriate. It's definitely apropos to the events of this series. And sadly, it is likely the series finale. Not just the season, but the series finale. You know what? We'll we get into that at the end of the discussion. But I... I, I kind of wonder about that i know that what they said about it but like they, they can't let it in like this <laughs> well i don't think the story of the characters is, is is finished but we'll get into that as we discuss our spoiler filled discussion of this episode so you know that spoiler warning hits at the beginning of this episode especially in the audio format but for the people watching on video right now be prepared. We are going to talk about episode six of Moon Knight in detail and the entire series as a whole, as well as spoiling lots of, you know, related Marvel content. So be prepared. Spoilers incoming in three, two, one. Oh, actually, um, since you did mention it, I'll go ahead and mention this right now. Speaking of spoke people that um, are going to watch that are going to watch the video version after the fact. Um, as of the last episode, the chapter markers should be in place or will be in place, uh, for the, for the shows. So you could just skip 
if you don't want to get spoiled, if you're watching this on, if you watch After the Fact on YouTube, you can just skip to the chapter marker for what you want to listen to. There it is. So yeah, even though I'm adding my adding more work for myself, uh, I figured to go ahead and go implement that. But we'll see how that works out. But yeah, Moon Knight uh, episode six, Gods and Monsters, the last episode. Um, as Agent Seventy said, they're like, yeah, we get a little bit of both. <laughs> we definitely get a little bit of both in this, in this episode. Um, so let's see. Well, so basically, it, it picks up after. Um, wait, what does this say? Oh, their thing is they got a typo on their thing. That's crazy. Um, anyway, uh, we're in the tomb. Mark's dead. Uh, Layla's in there trying to trying to avenge Mark. Uh, I was about to say, that's uh, not a typo, really, because remember, episode five was all out of body. Well, yeah, I guess so. That's why, that's why they're saying right. that it's right. It's, it's literally what, what Roddy Cat is, is referring to is, you know, we're, we're, we're following a couple of sources for, you know, to kind of keep our memories refreshed as we talk about this. And uh, if you have not been keeping up, there's a bit of. Um, an out-of-body experience, an out-of-body story being told in Episode 5. So we're basically going back to what happens at the end of Episode 4, which is what we pick up on at the beginning of this episode. And we're in Alexander the Great's burial chamber. Not Ramatut's, but Alexander the Great. And uh, Arthur Harrow and his um, his minions, you know, not Bananana, but um, his minions are uh, surrounding Mark Spector's body. And they're grabbing uh, Amit's Ushapti from his pockets, and you can take it from there. Yeah, that happened. Uh, but he did leave. Uh, Harold did leave Mark with the scarab, thoughtfully, I guess. <laughs> After just uh, just leaving Mark's body, um, you're thinking there's no further purpose for it. Sure, he's got what he what he was looking for, so he doesn't really need it anymore. So he just kind of places it on his chest. Which I want to say just real quick that kind of brought the the whole body thing kind of bothered me for a second because one mark got shot twice there was no blood in the water i'm just saying uh anyway um but harrow and his crew leaves uh i don't know why i want to call her marlene now because that's disrespectful uh layla comes up kind of cries over mark for like five seconds and then takes the scarab um and follows harrow out weirdly enough um uh, actually, that that was the weird part. Um, we we cut to Harrow and his crew leaving, and they get to a, a police checkpoint um, where um, Layla has hidden out in one of the jeeps. Harrow apparently doesn't know this, but I guess why would he care at this point? Because he's got <laughs> he's got the power. Dun, 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 dun. So he uh, he he. Um, Basically, it takes care of all of the police that are in his way. In a snap. Oh, no. We are all we're bringing out all the musical references already. <laughs> uh, but he does end up converting one uh, one soul to his uh, to his cause uh, before dispatching everyone, all of the other ones. Uh, it's during this time that Tarwet uh, um, Reanimates one of the policemen's bodies and tries to talk. Uh, Mar- uh, why am I doing that? Good God, Layla, out of going after Harrow and to to tell her to uh, go free, uh, Kanshu 
from Mizu Chop to Chopti. Uh, she's not listening. She was like, nope, I got this. Don't worry about it. Uh, but, you know, she still kind of acts like she's going to do it on her own. She sees what happens to all these other policemen, but still somehow has it on her head to where she's going to um, <laughs> to where she's going to uh, get Harrow. But she, after seeing this, she kind of lays down, lays back just a little bit, but still kind of a little headstrong. Um, they get the bodies out of the way. Um... And then I think they end up going back to the uh, the Chamber of Kings, where um, Harrow pretty much handily dispatches all of the other avatars that are there, uh, and then releases Amit um, to the world. Hey, guess what? Fit Crocodile um, headed uh, God. Go to figure. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, we have later's Gators in this show, and now it's in a while Crocodile. Exactly. Uh, we we don't get to see Steven saying alligator or crocodile or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. but he does say so. So yeah, um, uh, Harold thinks his work is over with because he's like he's unbalanced. Uh, uh, but uh, Ahmed's like, nope. You I already had someone who was perfectly balanced, and I got locked up for it. You are the person that I need. So go forth and do your thing. Um, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Clearly, she has a plan here, um, which I guess, if you think about it, kind of like Kanchu. You know, she knows that Harrow is uh, not balanced, but you know, just like Kanchu would mark, not necessarily makes them weak, but kind of makes them useful. Uh, easily tippable, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the case. But anyway, um, I believe, like I said, um, oh yeah, uh, Layla sees all of this because she's she's stowed away with the crew. Uh, then she kind of goes off to uh, release Kanshu from his Zushapti, which he ends up doing. And and of course, Kanshu, being who uh, he is, is like, hey, why don't you come be my avatar? Mark's gone. I don't. I don't. <laughs> He's gone. I need the avatar. Yeah, he's dead, do? dead. Yeah, like he's dead, dead. He, he's no good to me. So I need an avatar. And she was like, Nah, nah, I'm not, not doing that. He, you know. Um. And then she, I think she dips out. And they realize that I think she talks to one of the other um, avatars who happens to still be around, saying like, No, we don't have enough avatars to to deal with this because that's what we need. Um, Khonshu ends up going up against Ahmet um, and doesn't do quite well uh, at first. It's kind of wild. Well, at, uh, this is the this is the the battle inside the, uh, the 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 pyramid, right? Chamber of Gods, yeah, right. And well, yeah, it's within the pyramid, right? Because it's supposed to be within uh, one of the, the the great pyramids, and uh, it's. It's it's interesting to see the level of power that they give Amit. Yes, you know, just in terms of the the you know the the power balance, the power scale between Kanshu and Amit, it it almost seems like it's an unfair fight. That's just that was that was my perspective. I don't know how you felt about it. No, that's about right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And plus, like she had, you know, she's she's newly risen. She's got her her disciples. Wanted like Kanshu was pretty much there by himself. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, she kind of had a she, you know, that aside, she kind of had a the, the power tipped in her favor. So um, then we cut to Mark uh, back at the Field of Reeds with Tyrett. Tyrett, I'm going to keep doing that, and I'm adding a, a syllable that doesn't need to be there. Um, but Mark's like, nah, I got to go back for Steven because you know I wouldn't be here for him. So without him, um, so he does, which. This part was also kind of weird to me because when we saw him, they were still, he was pretty much in the middle of nowhere. But when we see him, he just so happens to be uh, statued in the front of the doors of Anubis. Uh, excuse me, the gates of Osiris. Like pretty much right there. I'm mm-hmm. like, where did this even come from? Um, but nevertheless, Michael gets back to Steven. He makes this heartfelt plea. And starts turn, turning to stone himself, but then uh, the heart goes balanced, and they both um, uh, get unfrozen uh, and try to make it towards uh, the gates, which are again a few feet uh, near them. After this big sand wave comes for them, and um, with the timely, um, the timely the, the the timely assistance of Hippo, they make it to the door uh, and back to the world of the living. And I believe this is when Khonshu's like, oh, wait, Mark's back. So <laughs> pretty much, pretty much it's like, oh, Mark's back. So I can get my avatar back. So but uh, and this, which is kind of what happens. But then Steve is like, all right, wait, if we do this, you're going to you promise to release us um, like you promised to do. And he reluctantly does so. But of course, it's Khonshu. So he's got a trick up his sleeves, which we find out later. Right. <laughs> um. And I believe, is this where we come across? Let's see. Yeah, so basically, you know, basically, as Roddy Cat just mentioned, Conchu rebonds with both Steven and, you know, with both, you know, uh, identities, both aspects of Mark Spector. And he restores their powers. Yep. And like I said, like I said, um, he said he was going to release, he promises to release them. So we got Mr. Knight, we got Moon Knight, and, you know, they're, they are in pretty much control of a uh, of, of thing. They're, they're pretty much together on things, let's put it that way. Right. Um, so then we cut back to Layla, and this is where we find out the um, backwards miles, and this is where we find out about the, the, the things that, uh, what they didn't need uh, uh, more avatars than what they have. Um, and the guess he died. I didn't that didn't catch up on that part after telling uh, Layla that they don't have enough people for this. Um, Layla calls out the Tauret, who speaks through Selim's body, and um, this is when we get um, a very excited scream from from Tauret. And if you are listening to the audio version, you could probably hear the sound effect that I just did. <laughs> in relation to that, unfortunately, uh, Agent Seventy cannot. But if you watch the show, you already know what I'm talking about. Uh, that part tripped me out. I had to play it a couple of times because it was shooting. And of course, not only did she hear it, it did Layla hear it, who was right there. Everybody else who was in the pyramids, uh, including Harrow's people, um, hear all of this and goes looking for um, where that note, who it was, which I guess they, I don't know if you figured out whether that was Layla or not. Nevertheless, they knew somebody was in there. So uh, Layla agrees to be 
uh, Tyrus Avatar, but not before um, uh, some some rocks fell on her. Some some stones fell on her due to Harrow using his scepter to destroy the chamber. Um, let's see. Although it is worth noting, yes, uh, Layla does say that temporary Avatar mm-hmm. is what she says. Right. She tries to make, yeah, she tries to add a caveat to this entire relationship. We don't know how successful this caveat will be, though. Right. Yeah. Uh, we do not. And, and of course, Tara is like, well, I got a great uh, costume I got for us. So, you know, this and another. Um, but we cut outside to the chamber. Um Oh wait, did we miss the part where that where Mark, Mark part flies off? I forgot. I forgot about that part. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. So okay. So for folks that don't know, may or may not know, Moon Knight can glide. <laughs> he has a big cape. He can glide. He cannot fly. Uh, when he left Konshu to get back to the Chamber of Gods, um, he flew. Yeah, straight like straight up, man. And yeah. what's funny about it is. You know, in this adaptation, we have to strongly stress that word. It's an adaptation, right? Similar to the people that complain about winning time on HBO being factually inaccurate. That is a dramatization of real life events. This is in turn an adaptation of comic book canon and comic book stories. So Moon Knight in the comics, as far as we know, does not have healing armor. Right. So he doesn't technically have any superpowers, but in this incarnation of Moon Knight, he kind of does. And so one of those being apparently flight. I was about to say, now that I think about it, not yet, because we know how they've been doing MCU. Well, exactly. For synergy, for, for synergy and, for, and, and, and to create a, a, a connectivity between the MCU and the 616. We'll talk about the whole 616 thing, too, later. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we'll talk about that when we get to uh, Doctor Strange. But, um, you know, in the meantime, uh, yeah, uh, Mark does, in fact, fly off. And uh, let's see, where are we now? So Layla, yeah. So so we we cut back to uh, Layla's pretty much grow. Uh, well, yeah, I'm uh, swallowing up souls left and right uh, and growing in size. Um, Layla uh, gets from under the rubble in her new suit in her new costume. She with uh, wings and a and a couple of swords, which actually was a nice looking costume. So she, I guess while she was not given the name. Uh, I guess she is now the, the the Scarlet Scarab, right? And you know what's funny? I heard in uh, you know uh, uh, post having watched this and having listened to a couple of podcasts, I heard comments to the tune of "This was the Wonder Woman 1984 costume that should have been." I did. I have also seen that. So <laughs> I was like, "Wow." I was like, that's not cool. That's not, I mean, it's a good costume in his own right, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. That was kind of funny, though. Um, so, yeah, so it's nighttime. Um, uh, like I said, I'm at swallowing up souls left and right and growing in power. She's pretty much kaiju sized. Um, Kanshu, I believe, also at this point. Oh, wait, yeah. Yes. Um, 
Kanshu comes, fights off uh, Kaiju Amit, and at the same time, Mark gets there in Moonlight uh, gear and fights Hiro, which that doesn't seem like a fair fight, but I guess it it worked out. <laughs> they're fighting in the streets. Um, they're both having uh, a time with their respective fights, you know, as one would imagine. Um, Hiro, I guess, at certain, certain times, well, actually, no, he was kind of handling himself more more handily than you think he would have before now, that we've seen before now, you know? Right. Um but uh but uh Moon Knight and Harrow uh, get into basically somehow manage to make the make the fight into the city and they keep fighting. Uh Layla shows up and um you know Mark and Steven are like, hey here's the new suit, great, you know <laughs> and uh this is where we get the pretty much Kick-ass um, fights. The rest of the kick-ass fight scene, uh, with including um, uh, Steven and the Mister Night Guard, now showing some um, some some battle skills, um, which was which was cool to see. And we see between Mark and Steven kind of uh, going in between each other uh, with in their fight within with Harrow, which was a good fight. I I, I kind of enjoyed it. There was no highway fight, but it was pretty good. Um. It got to a point though where Harrow ended up taking an overhand over overhand. Um well Mark was in charge and then Mark blacked out and woke up. Once again, everybody, including Harrow, was pretty much taken care of. Um I believe there was one scene in there where um uh Layla saves uh, uh some uh, a busload of people and this kid asked her if, if she was the uh, the Egyptian superhero. She says yes. But like I said, um it ended up going to where, where I just said where um, Mark blacked out. Somebody took over. It wasn't Mark or Steven. We know who it is at right. this point, but they still don't know. Um, so then I think um, they had the idea of, from Layla. was like, well, in, in order to defeat Almet, got to put her, her in a body. So they put the, they took uh, Harrow to, back to the... I guess they took her back to the Chamber of... Um, the, the chamber, the chamber of gods. Yeah, I think that's where they took him back to. Yeah, I think and so. Doing a ritual, and um, Ahmed ends up getting in uh, Harold's body, and the fight is over with. Ooh, excuse me. And after this, um, uh, Kanshu's trying to get Mark to kill. Um, I mean, kill Harold, to which the uh, later kind of talks him down from off of it because you know Mike's. I mean, because Kanshu's trying to assert some control. Um. But it doesn't happen. So uh, Kanshu begrudgingly releases uh, Mark and Steven after this. And they end up back in the uh, the mental hospital uh, with um, Dr. Harrow, whose uh, feet are bleeding. And he gets um, he also gets dealt with after some back and forth between the three characters. Right. That was that threw me a little bit. Because and it's obviously meant to throw off the viewer because you were basically in the you know the current reality of the show and all of a sudden you're transported back to the mental hospital and you know which we are which we understand to be within Mark Spector's mind so it was all very much surreal and obviously it's meant to kind of jar the viewer and just kind of give them you know 
you know, a taste of a little confusion at this point. So it, it kind of threw me. I don't know about you. Yeah, it did a little bit because I was like, wait, wait, what are we doing back here? I was like, oh, wait, is this where we're going to get the reveal of what was it? Who was in that other sarcophagus? No, not really. No. It was Mark and Steven, you know, dealing with um, the the remnants of Harold's mind, I guess, or or Harold in his mind or whatever the case may be. Um, And then they wake up in Steven's apartment with that music from the uh, beginning, from the first episode. And, of course, also... Um, try to get out of bed and fall over just like they did in the first couple of episodes. Yeah, I think it's 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 Engelbert Humperdinck, I think. Yes, it is. Which is wild. I actually had to look that up. I was like, I've heard this song before. I had to Google it. Yeah, I know the name. I don't think I've ever heard this song either. So, um, and uh, Mark makes a, a comment about uh, Stephen's uh, messy apartment before you know. Uh, before this happens. And then the episode ends. Or does it? Dun, dun, dun. We will get <laughs> There it is. And then we get uh, some credits roll until a certain point, and we get a mid-credit scene. Uh, this mid-credit scene is at, apparently, Sinkovich Sing- Psychiatric Hospital. Sinkovich. Yes. Sinkevich. The only reason, listen, I had mispronounced his name. This is Bill Sinkevich, the uh, artist, the longtime artist, and he had uh, a, 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 a pretty good run on Moon Knight, where obviously a lot of these stories are, are lifted from. Obviously, we know that the Lemire run proved to be the the, the prime comic book run that uh, this story was adapted from, but the Sinkevich stuff obviously had a role and his Twitter handle is where he puts up a phonetic pronunciation of his name. So that is why I know oh, yeah, yeah. I, that is why I am comfortable when I see his name pronouncing it. It is Sinkevich. Right. And I and I and I definitely chuckled when I saw his name up on the the name of the the billboard or the 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 sign the signage of the uh, the psychiatric hospital. Right. So in so in this um, in, in this um, uh, in credit scene or mid credit scene, I guess you could say, um, at the hospital, it's Harrow who's um, sedated and. Um, uh, kind of like we saw Mark in the early episode, he knocks over a cup of sand or a cup of coffee. I thought it was a cup of somebody said it was a cup of sand. I was like, it was a coffee, cup of coffee. Though, no, regardless, it doesn't matter. Somebody um, with an accent comes and wheels him out. We never get to see the person's face, at least until the, the end of this. I'm, I'm believing. Um, he gets wheeled out into a stretch limo, which is the same stretch limo from the Lemire Smallwood run that Mr. Knight was rolling around in. And in the back of this uh, limo, we see Khonshu. Um, actually, excuse me, Harold gets kind of tossed in the, the, uh, the thing, and the and the wheelchair gets kind of kicked kicked around, which is kind of funny. Right. I mean, not, you know, but the, the scene itself was kind of funny, I should say, not the action. Um, but like I said, in the back of the limo, Khonshu's talking to Harold, and Harold's like, you can't touch me, you can't do anything about this to me. Uh, and then the um, and her, uh, and Conchu's like, oh really? And then the window in the front uh, rolls down, and we see one Jake Lockley with a gun and gives uh, Harold two piece. <laughs> and what's funny is that when we say Jake Lockley, ladies and gentlemen listening to our show and viewing our show, 
if you don't know who that is, it is also Mark Spector, but it's another aspect of his dissociative uh, uh, identity disorder. And we've we've seen we've seen we've had suspicions, right? Yeah. We definitely have had you know suspicious moments during the show. That's what Roddy Cat is alluding to, where it's definitely hinted at that Jake Lockley is taking over, and you know again this is an adaptation. So the our understanding of the different aspects of Mark Spector's dissociative IDs don't necessarily translate the same way in this adaptation on Disney plus where Stephen Grant, you know, here is like a, you know, kind of a wimpy dude, kind of a, 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 a book smart guy. And Mark Spector is a mercenary and Jake Lockley apparently is a psychopathic killer who speaks Spanish. Right. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, exactly. When in the comics, Jake Lockley was the cab driver. He was the one that was kind of, you know, he had informants in the hood or, or in, and whatnot. It's like he was kind of running around. The, he was basically uh, matches Malone, like like he was for for Bruce Wayne. Exactly. That is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's definitely it's definitely a twist on what we understand from the comics. So, you know, so now that we're done. We can kind of touch on what Roddy Cat and I were talking about when we were discussing whether or not this is a series finale or um, or simply a season finale. I have read that it is being described as a series finale, but that does not mean we're not going to get any more Moonlight. Right. I suspect that we're going to get Moonlight in either another Disney Plus show or guest spot, you know, guest starring in a movie. My my gut says it's going to be on another Disney Plus show. Um, I would agree with that, but I feel like they could. I mean, they clearly could make another season of it. Like and like Age of Seven said, yeah, they kind of build that as a as a one and done. And and I, I don't know. Stranger things have happened. Let's put it this way: there, um, people didn't think Loki would get us the season two, but yet it is. Right. Um. Although they announced the Lo- the Loki season two relatively quickly, right? But I'm but what I'm saying, but going into it, even coming out of it, until they announced it, like no one really thought the fact that that would that would have warranted um, a season two, right? But like, that, that's the case. This one, they were they were not even saying anything about that, so it was like, okay, we if we if we get one is what it is, but I don't but they've been pretty much saying like Agent Seven said, it was like, yeah, this seems like getting the character shows us were, but might not. Which is kind of a problem with me because I'm sitting here like, so they're gonna address that whole Jake Lockley thing in other with other um in another story. Projects? Yeah. I listen, I'm I <sighs> I, I'm not I'm still kind of processing how I feel about this show because I've talked to some people, talked to some friends who were unhappy with it. And, you know, they obviously complained about some of the writing and obviously they complained about some of the, the same things that we did, like that whole bit about uh Conchu and Mark not knowing how to present a halfway decent argument to the other avatars of the Egyptian gods when they're trying to argue against uh, letting Harrow continue his his evil deeds, and we're all like, "What the hell was that?" Right, right. So, but you know, you know, I I, I kind of struggle with how I feel about this show. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it's kind of like we 
as Marvel Comics fans, especially those of us who are somewhat familiar with the source material, I think we're kind of forgiving and we kind of have a little bit more context mm-hmm. when it comes to how we look at these shows. Whereas I think maybe the people who are unfamiliar with this show's source material maybe look are looking at it with more of a critical eye than maybe we are. I don't, I, I can't say if that's for sure. Obviously, you know, it is, a, you have to look at it on a case by case basis. Everyone has a different opinion and has carries a different set of history and circumstances into their viewings of these things. But I feel like, at least from my perspective, I'm still sort of on the fence with this much like I am with a lot of the Moon Knight stuff that I read. I'm like, okay. It's not, it's not exactly take it or leave it. It's more like, oh, okay, I, I'm not as affected by this as I am some of the other projects. Maybe there wasn't as much of a personal attachment to it, you know? Hey, I was just happy we got to see him on the screen. This is one of those characters that's like, who would have thought they would have had, this character would have had anything live action at all. Like, granted, he's, he, some would say he's, a close uh, proximity to Batman, so it would probably be a little easier to do in that respect, but no, not really. <laughs> I mean, there are characters that have received pushes over, say, like the last 25, 30 years, and we've seen Moon Knight carry his own book, you know, for, you know, you know, several issues. You know, we're not talking like a, you know, a six-issue run here. We're talking about like 10, 12, 20 issues here and there over the last several, you know, last several decades, last few decades, let's say. And, you know, it's not a character that does not have, like, stories to, 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 to draw from. So right. it's not a, a giant surprise, but at the same time, yeah, this is like, you know, we're, we're getting into, like, you know, we're not talking about, like, C and D level characters. We're definitely going down into those areas. Right. Right. I mean, and there's, and there's, you know, there are folks saying, it was like, well, they could do Midnight Suns now because, you know, XYZ is starting to come together, which they could. Well, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at it. We, we need a proper ghostwriter, I guess, to either come back or, or you know. You know what's funny? Um, you know what's funny about that? You, it's funny that you mentioned that. And, and obviously we're going to move on to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in a moment. But I, I, I realized I had not watched any... Um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit? Um, oh, what is that, that, that YouTube thing where they do the trailer, the, um, the honest trailers. Yeah. Right. I had not watched any honest trailers in several months and it turns out they did one for the, for the, the two ghost Rider, the two Nicolas Cage ghost Rider movies. Yes, they did. And I watched it the other day. And, you know, this is what happens when we're in between, you know, when we have movie protocol folks and, and we don't record, we actually find ourselves with a little extra time to kind of muck around on the Internet and watch other sh- and watch other shows to boot. And I, I remember watching this thinking, oh, my gosh, I really have not watched these ever at all. Yeah. Yeah. I have famously said, I think I watched the first one for like 20 minutes and turned it off. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the Nick Cage one? of it all. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, as a matter of fact, that 20 minutes was pretty much when he turned into Ghost Rider. Wow. Nope. 
Wow. I mean, we've gotten Robbie Reyes on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And speaking of, you know, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, there's a chance that could be acknowledged sooner rather than later. That in, that incarnation of Ghost Rider. Yeah. You know? Helps. So maybe with that, we can turn our attention to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And again, folks, again... If you've gotten to this point in the show, we are still going to be heavy in spoilers, but not as heavy as we could be because it is a movie. It's not the same as the Disney Plus show. We're not going to dive that hard into the spoilers. Ryder Cat just watched this movie. I, you know, I watched it last week, so mm-hmm. my my memory's a little this thing, right? You know, my memory's a little. Uh, less sharp when it comes to that. But I'm going to ring the spoiler bell because we're going to touch on spoilers. We may not be like super heavy in them, but just in case we're ringing the bell, you are forewarned in three, two, one. Spoilers are inbound. Hmm. I kind of just want to skip ahead and, and then come back to how you feeling about how you feel about it before we get to it. But I guess we should go get, a, get go ahead and give it a little bit. So yeah, um, like I, said, I watched it today, and I, as I just told Agent Seventy, and I don't know if this is going to impress upon a whole lot of people, but this was a Sam Raimi ass movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, like he wants to do another Evil Dead movie so hard, you can tell that. <laughs> Either that, or in this genre, right in the superhero genre, he feels the the freedom to add that in as an element. I mean, I, I feel like they did kind of tell him not necessarily go nuts, but yeah, do your thing, right? You know, you know, because it there have been times that has worked for for uh certain marvel projects you know yeah i mean look at the door stuff that's it's been working swimmingly swimmingly there right um so that being the case uh yeah uh, as agent 79 and i was also talking you might not want to take your little kids the, the, little, the little kids to this one uh, yeah this is you know what this is interestingly enough you know, I, I did see some articles on this um, where some people were wondering how they rated this movie a PG-13 as it kind of he- – it it's a heavy, hard PG-13 because it definitely right. leans right up against that line going into an R rating. Right, because there's not a whole lot of blood. Like, yeah, there is definitely a lot of imagery there, but there's not a whole lot of just blatant blood and whatnot. And I'm pretty sure that would have tipped it over to an R really easily. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what you know. We, the 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 crew that I was with when we went to the movies, essentially said the same thing. You know, we were all kind of remarking on that, like, "Wow, that was actually really borderline R." Right. Yeah, from almost the beginning, because like there was the whole like, and there's some of this was that has been on TV spots. Like, do you see the uh, America Chavez running through the city uh, after um, being chased after uh, by uh, I'm going to call him Shumagurath. Even though it's not what his name is in the in the, the movie, I recognize that, but still for licensing for licensing issues. Yes, exactly. Um, but regardless, and of course, the scene with the bus gets get split in half, and this and that other, and the the way uh, that creature gets dealt with, was like wow, that's um, yeah, that's yeah, kind that's, of on the gory side. Yeah, it's a little hard. 
<laughs> kind of on the gory side. I mean, you know, we're not going to hit all the uh, the the plot no, points, no, no, no. but I wanted to mention I wanted to mention a couple things that are relatively plot related. So they do make mention of several artifacts in this movie that have proven to be very important in the Marvel comic book universe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we saw the Wand of Watum in the first movie. Or we heard about it, I think. It was shown, yes. Oh, no, it was shown because I think, didn't didn't they show it and they let Mordo use it for like a brief second or something? Yes. Right. So in this, obviously, we've talked about this without the biggest condition that you have to follow going into this movie, which is to have watched WandaVision all the way through. That is the biggest condition that you have to. You don't have to watch What If. I thought you did, and I kind of, when I went in thinking that I needed to, I was like, oh, man, I never made time to watch What If. You know, I was kind of worried. And then when I got through the movie, no, but when I got through the movie, when I got through the movie, I was like, well, I didn't need to do that. It's a good thing I watched WandaVision all the way through. Right. I mean, it's true. You do not have to watch What If. However, there is a character from What If, technically from What If that shows up. I mean, you know, kind of shows up. Right, kind of. What yeah. no? What, but getting back to what I was mentioning earlier about the artifacts, the um, the book of Vishanti plays a minor role in this. <laughs> and when I say minor, I'm very surprised. I'm kind of like off put by the fact that I'm a comic book head, and I'm like, yo, what, what you know? How are these books so fragile? Right. I mean, they're old ass books, right? And obviously, the Darkhold is involved. That's what I. That's what I meant to say because I, I meant to add the Darkhold is an artifact that was uh, revealed in the uh, in the bulk of Wandavision, and now we've got it here playing a role in this movie, a fairly large role in this movie. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously, these are magical tomes. You know, and they should be protected by spells. And I'm just like, it's, is it that easy to, to, to wipe these things out? That's all, that's all, that's all I'm saying. That so is all I'm saying. With that also, but I, I also thought about the fact that when, when they brought up in the movie that the, the one copy of the Darkhold got, that got burned up was a copy. Um, I, I was like, okay, that kind of opens up the door to be like, well, maybe there's another copy or, I mean, granted, they may have technically they could have with the way that the rest of the movie went, they could have also taken, taken care of that. Mm-hmm. But also we got multiverses involved and we, we have f- found out that there are multiple copies, um, in other multiverses implied anyway. So regardless, um, that doesn't rule that book. Anything coming back out It is also Marvel, where you know you can kind of gin up some kind of way. The the thing that kind of struck me that uh, if you know enough about uh, Doctor Strange, the Vishanti is a big thing that he calls upon a lot, right? So, and I was and I was sitting here as it was like so. Then the, the part of the plot of the movie was they're trying to find the book of the Vishanti, but is it for Vishanti? And I keep, keep saying almost about to say Ashanti because I think um. <laughs> Let's just go, Frank Avila or somebody out there did art. Yes, uh, could be Ashanti on it, <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's great. That's right, that's right. I did see that. That was funny. 
Yeah, but um, but like I said, they were looking for the the book of uh, Vashanti, which uh, which I'm sitting here like. Part of me was like, wait, shouldn't he already know that? I mean, granted, he's not Sorcerer Supreme. That they've made that point a, a couple of times in the in the course of this movie, but I'm sitting here like, you would think, and this is me going off the comic part of it, and not necessarily the MCU part of it. So I rec- I I I made my part. I made my do with that early on, but it was still like. He should know this already. What is, is, is... Yeah, that was tough. That was tough, uh, you know, because it feels like the Book of Ashanti is, is, should be something that he can more easily access. Right. Right. And, but, you know, that, that, was, that was a big thing. That was a big thing. Yeah. I was going to ask you, this is a question I was going to ask you. Did it seem like they were tying America Chavez's powers to the Book of Ashanti? No. It feels like that to me. They're, they're clearly like so. If if you don't, if you know about um, America Chavez, she's um, a multiversal teleporter. Her not sure her powers are not necessarily based on magic, but that's never really been established as well. I guess it kind of has, but kind of hasn't um, uh, been established of how her powers are kind of. Uh, um, manifest themselves whether it be magic because that's not technological or whatever but regardless it seemed like they were kind of leaning toward tying it her tying her uh powers to the vishanti hmm. um and that's probably an implication that i made out of it not necessarily the the, the, the case of it being the being true but i was kind of going through the movie it's like it kind of seems like they're going that way with that now, because as we know in the MCU, things have um, come off of other things. Like Mar- Captain Marvel's co- most of the stuff have come off of um, either the Infinity Stone, so they didn't do that, um, or as they have introduced in Dark Strange Magic. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it could have gone one way or the other, but they pretty much introduced the, the one wild card here. Right. Um, right. It was like a soft introduction to the character because we get an idea of what her powers are and where, you know, where she comes from, but we don't know how she has her powers or the extent of her powers. Right. right. And Just in the comics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, I, and I think that's probably a, a wise choice because it gives the character more room to grow in another project, most likely a young Avengers project. So. Yeah, so at least in that regard, I felt like they, they did her character well. You know, they kept her to the sidelines for the most part as a secondary character to the story. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, as we've said, there's adaptation. And, uh, and this adaptation was not bad. Uh, there was not enough um, um, stomping of portals for me. I gotcha. <laughs> right, because she couldn't control it at the beginning, so you know it's right. right in the comics. Most of the, most times you see uh, America Chavez just stomping out a portal. Like we did see, pretty much her kick uh, do a kick into a portal, but you know they, they pretty much uh, and she's like super strong and she can fly. Although they probably changed that in to I think they changed that in the comics now to be more in line to to what they were doing here. Now that I'm thinking about it from the last couple times we've uh, seen her, but regardless. Um, the adaptation wasn't wasn't terrible. Gotcha, gotcha. So, how did you feel about? You know, we're kind of we're kind of glossing over the plot because it is, you know, we don't want to necessarily spoil all the twists and turns. But how did you feel about 
Wanda and her motivation and her characterization. Because this is where I kind of struggled with it a little bit. And after listening to several podcasts in the wake of having watched it, I, I, I feel myself siding on that line, you know, siding with that side of the criticism. Because mm-hmm. even though I understand from the comic book perspective that Wanda has a want, right? She wants some form of stable family, especially in this allegedly 616, right? We'll get to that too, right? We will get to that too. Allegedly, Quicksilver has been dead for a while now, right? Wanda is mostly alone, even though for whatever reason, like her Avengers teammates don't go and check on her. Maybe all the ones who cared are all dead. We don't know. Right? Other than Hawkeye. Like, what's up with Hawkeye? He's too busy raising his family? What's up with that? I mean, yeah, actually. Yeah, that's probably the case. He's like, I don't know. You know, and and obviously Vision doesn't appear in this movie. That's another kind of weird thing. They're probably saving that for something else. Although I thought they would have saved it for this. Exactly. See, and that's the kind of thing which I was kind of uh, leaning towards before the show. It was like they bring up so many. Well, not so many. Uh, that's, that's a little overstated. But they bring up a couple of things. Or at the very least, hint around a couple of things that's like, okay, are they going to like, are they going to pick this up somewhere, or is there are they going to drop it here, and where are they going to, where on on earth are they going to do this if they did this stuff? Like, there's been so much stuff from the, there's been a couple of things from Wonder Vision, I should say, including the Vision stuff. It's like, or where exactly are they going to bring that back up if not here? And some of the things that they brought up here, like, okay, so is this going to be it? Or are we going to see this somewhere else? And where and why? It starts to be the question on a couple of things. Right. Um, like, they set up a Secret Wars, and that could be a thing that, you know, like, we got Ant-Man coming up. They, they could extend that uh, into that some kind of way and make that into more of that. But it's like, they bring up... They bring up out spoiler alerts. Uh, they bring up well, if you if you if you haven't read the comic, you don't you don't know whether it's a spoiler or not. But they basically bring up Secret Wars, the Hickman Secret Wars, uh, with the incursions. And I'm sitting here like, okay, wait. So what are they going to do with this? Are they going to do anything more than this, or did they just going to? Are they just going to leave it here? I have a feeling that this this is akin to Nick Fury saying the words. Avengers initiative. Right. That's what I feel. This is that this is the first time we're hearing the word incursions and much like the way the incursions were developed in the comic books where I think it was in Bendis's run. They talked about in the new Avengers. Wait, were there? Yeah, I think I want to say, I want to say, or was it all Hickman's new Avengers? I want to say it's all Hickman, but I because yeah, but I, I I say that being the fact that I'm I'm a little fuzzy on uh, Bendis's run on uh, Adventures at this point. Right. I I, I want to say they mentioned uh, incursions early on, and it took them like like two years mm-hmm. to get to, to develop uh, the, the 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 Secret Wars, the, the Hickman Secret all, Wars. I mean, all all Hickman. Excuse me. Um, so, but I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure at this point. I mean, I'll, I'll 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 start looking it up because I'm just kind of curious now because I feel like it was on that it started under 
the uh, the watch of of uh, Bendis, but not the the concept of the the incursions. But I think they mentioned it. Sure. I mean, you you yeah, you could be. Like I said, I'm a little fuzzy on 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 Bendis's run on the Avengers, so I don't know. Um, but that being said, uh, I did enjoy the fact that there's some other things that got brought up, and again, like Wondergore got brought up, right? And I'm sitting here like, wait, are they going to do something with this? Are we going to see Bova, High Evolutionary, any of that kind of stuff? Probably not. I mean, unless they do another season of WandaVision, maybe they'll do something there, maybe even not, but I, I, I. At this point, I kind of doubt it. Well, based on how the movie ends, there may be a chance at that. I mean, there is, yes, because we don't know what happens to 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 Wanda at the end of right. that. Um, presumably, we get a, a potential. Oh no, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. It is Hickman that introduces it in his run of New Avengers. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. My uh, apolo- My apologies. Only because only because that stuff starts to blend together after a while. Yeah, I mean, it could have it could have been something that Hickman was like, oh yeah, Bendis did start, you know, and then he just picked it up and ran with it. So I I could have been you know slightly off on that one myself. No, the incursion stuff started definitely started with Hickman. It was the Illuminati stuff that started with Bendis. Yes, and that's another thing that gets brought up here. Um, All right, talk about a, a natural transition there, folks. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um, so yes, and I mean, but if you've seen, well, again, you would have to know about who the Illuminati are and the fact, uh, you know, a, a, a fact that a couple of uh, folks show up here. Uh, it is not the the lineup that you would know from the comics, but then again, you know, we're, this is the MCU version. Doesn't matter because they pretty much got wiped out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Hold that thought. Hold that thought. I just wanted to take a look at the upcoming MCU release schedule and see where they might start because this is something that came up in some of the podcasts that I listened to and some of the discussion that I had with my crew that went to go see the movie last Thursday night. Well, my, it's really my friend's crew, but I am an honored member because I'm the comic, I'm like the hardcore comic book head. Right. And sure. so, so I bring the reference uh, to everybody for, for, for comparison and for the discussion. So Thor love and thunder is coming out soon. July 8th. That is soon. That is like a month and change, right? right? Wakanda Forever comes out in November of this year. And Quantum Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania comes out in February. So, if you think about it, it's not that far away. It just feels far away for us. Right. When it comes to, but, you know, when these things right, are going to be fair. released, you know? Right. But on that, though, think about all of those movies. Now, granted, as we know from Marvel movies, they do, there are subplots and other stuff that they that they kind of mix in. So even with what we know about all of those movies, and granted, probably the least of those we know about uh, um, is the Black Panther movie. Right. Um, but based on what we know right now, I can't see not much that I can think of coming out of Dr. Strange, even though Dr. Strange seemed like the one that was like, okay, this is going to blow up a whole lot of stuff. That's right. what it was. It felt like it was it come, going into it. And technically it could still, I mean, it, it opens up the door for some, some uh, wider for some things, right. but like, I can't really see much in Thor. Love and Thunder, mm, but, no, but I was going to say Thor, I think is the prime candidate. 
I think Thor is the prime candidate because they've already crossed over. The two char- the two sets of characters have already crossed over. True. Right? So I'm that's why it. I think but that's why I think that is the prime candidate because coming up is Ms. Marvel, right? On the Disney Plus side. Right? Now that Moon Knight is wrapped. So we have Ms. Marvel and then we have She Hulk possibly coming out later on this year. Is it this year or that's next year? Has it been already uh, uh, confirmed for next year? I'm not sure. They definitely said it was going to be after Miss Marvel, so. right? So we don't know yet, right? Yeah. But we're presu- so we can. But we're hoping for late this year, right? right. Because Miss Marvel is actually coming out soon too, right? Miss Marvel's coming out June eighth. That is less than a month away, right? right? So we have a brief respite between now and the next Disney Plus show. But getting back to what we were saying. Is that, you know, how they decide to tie all this stuff together. I feel like Thor is a prime candidate to have some element of Doctor Strange coming in and and, and, and being mentioned. That's what I think. I, I mean, mentioned, yes. But I would argue that Ant-Man would be the bigger. Well, yeah, because of the whole se- the concept of the multiverse. But that being, you know, two movies away, it's a little tougher to, you know, but, kind of... Right, right. No, that, listen, we're both thinking on the same wavelength. It's a more matter of where we think it's going to happen next. And right. I feel like they're going to bring some of it up in Thor. You know, right. it just seems natural because they're, you know, gods, space gods, aliens, however it is that they're looking to translate the Norse mythology into the MCU. So I just have this I, I, I have this feeling that, you know, we're going to get some sort of reference to it. And who knows? It might be part of how Ms. Marvel gets her powers. The whole multiversal part two, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we don't know. But um, um yeah, but yeah, we don't know. Right, but getting back to now, I'm going to circle all the way back to what Roddy Cat was talking about with the Illuminati. Yes, and actually, speaking of Miss Marvel, on that note, because one, I did not expect to see this character, one, well, one, this person, two, back in the suit. <laughs> um, uh, uh, in in this movie. So, who are we talking about, Lashana Lynch? No, no, no. No, I'm talking about Black Bolt. Yes! I told you it might happen. Didn't I tell you? You you, you may have mentioned something. something to Did about. I not tell you that this was one of the things I hoped for? And I was just like, no way. Is that him? And my buddy, my buddy Malcolm sitting next to me he's like that's him i said no let's wait for the credits just to confirm when i saw the credits i was like oh my god they brought anson mount back holy cow obviously they sent him out on a terrible note no pun intended but (laughs) right seriously you know hold on let me let me get that in but in all seriousness that was awesome you go ahead yeah it was great but at the same time multiverse so right, no, no. Listen, none of the so so so. Bottom line is, they bring in a whole bunch of cameo appearances for these characters that we do not expect, and surprisingly, were kept under wraps. Right, right. Like, were you no. not shocked? Were you not shocked that they actually seemed like they were trolling us? That they put John Krasinski into the Fantastic Four costume as Reed Richards. 
They very much were because there was speculations and speculations and rumors and this and that and other and like you said, trolling. It's like I did not. I was like, I was actually truly shocked when I saw. I was like, oh shit, they did. Yeah, for real. No, listen, opening night. Like I, I don't know how you avoided it. You know, opening night. You should have heard the gasps. Right, my theater wasn't even like completely full. We were like, let's say, like eighty percent full, maybe like a little higher than that, but not ninety or or close to a hundred. Right. right, it's opening night. It's a smaller theater. We're not like in an IMAX showing, right? And we're not in uh, in in, in uh, uh, the moving chair showing, right? Uh, I forget what that's called. D box. Yeah, something like that. RDX or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. And um, you know, but the gasps, the audible gasps when you see him on the screen, because everyone knows that Patrick Stewart's going to be there. And the best part about that is he comes out in the yellow chair. Everyone, yes. everyone associates that with the animated series. And, and I played the music. Yes. That's what, you know, I think that the, 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 the creator, the writer of the movie, I think has, has, has come out and said that's, that's probably the universe that they, they pulled him from. Yeah, I mean, yeah, would hey, of course, you know, that makes sense. And and what's what's funny is, uh, you know, like I heard the music, I'm like, that can't be the music. You got to be kidding me. That can't be the music, and it I, was. Oh yes, I saw you know on the chair. I was like, oh shit, they pulled X Men '97, and the music popped the around. I was like, oh yes, you know, and it. and you're not singing the Whitney Houston song, you know, whatever you want not from me, time. right? And, you know, but then, you know, they, they pull, they, you know, they bring out Lashana Lynch, you know, standing in, you know, like as the, as her universe as Captain Marvel or that particular universe as Captain Marvel. Right. Yeah. Murray Rambo. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, Anson Mount as Black Bolt in the full regalia, the full mm. regalia with the tuning fork on his head. <laughs> right. And they even make a joke about it. Yes, they did. And they have John Krasinski in the, the, the Reed Richards, you know, a version of the FF costume. And I was in, and yeah, the recent one actually. And I, and I honestly was just looking up at the screen. Like, I can't believe what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, um, Haley, um, um, Haley Atwell as Captain Haley Carter. As, yes. Which I was like, all right, I was glad to see her, even though, man, I, hate I, I, I saw that coming. There was two things I saw coming uh, from when they were, uh, I was like, okay, I know how this person's going to get it. I know how this person's going to get it. And I know how this person's going to get it. And sure enough, that's what happened. The worst part is that, you know, they were all, they, they all underestimated Wanda, right? I'm like, wait, there's no Wanda in your universe? Like, you don't know how powerful this lady is? Right. You know, and you don't, and you don't talk about, you don't, you don't spoil your plan with Black Bolt. What are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Don't say a thing. She's never met this character before. (sighs) Yeah. 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 But she kind of popped that. (laughs) It was the Matrix. It was straight out of the Matrix. We were just like, oh, like everyone, I think everyone in the movie theater that I was yeah. with put their hands over their mouth and did the same thing. Like, oh, and popped them like a bubble. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, disrespectful. But- I mean, I listen, I, I, I'm, I'm a Black Bolt stan. Like, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the character. 
And, you know, I'm a big fan of the, you know, it's an Eisner Award winning run. Remember, I talked about it like every week that it was out, every, every, every month that it was out. I mentioned that Black Bolt series that Saladin Ahmed uh, did with Christian Ward, I think, was did, did the art. Was. And, yeah. you know, I love that series. That was such a good series. And I yeah. wish that they would. Right. No, what I was going to say is I wish that this, I hope that this uh, reappearance and reintegration of Black Bolt into the MCU leaves the door, at least leaves the door open to so bring the character back. Sorry. Go ahead. That's it. Just just okay. leaves the door open. You know, like like Bruno Mars and um, and Anderson Pock said, just leave the door open. <laughs> nice. So, and I thought about that going back to the Miss Marvel thing because we know Marvel has been, ever since they got, um, they bought Fox, They've been sweeping in humans under the rug. Let's face it, that that whole human thing didn't didn't pan out. Even in the comics side, you know, the, the X Men are back and, and mutants are are, are back in, uh, and all that kind of good in a big way. Um, seeing Black Bolt, it's like okay, so in humans now we know in humans are around how they're if they. This is also one of those things I'm sitting here like, okay, are they going to bring this back up again? And in what way? Like, is is it going to be in relation to Miss Marvel? Like, like, uh, like, uh, like the, in the comic book, or you know, or is or is it going to be a thing that they just drop here and then humans are just like, well, here you go, you got to you got Black Bolt here, and you'll never see any of them other ones or or him again. Right. We don't know. No. There's just no way to know. There is no way to know unless they announce like an Inhumans project, which they won't because they know that it's like radioactive. At this point, uh, you know, because here's the thing we have the internet, right? And there's just so much on the internet about how bad Inhumans was, is that they can't bring back a solo Inhumans project. They're going to just integrate these characters where they can, you know? Assuming they even attempt to do that. Right. I was just happy to see Black Bolt in the full regalia. I was like, I can't believe this. I just want Lockjaw. Can you put Lockjaw in the Miss Marvel show? Because that's where she. Be- that's where he belongs. He's a good boy. He's a very good boy. And you know, whether or not they keep the inhuman aspect of her power, but still have this kind of revision, have this revision of her powers, so that it's you know energy based as opposed to stretchy based. Right. She's basically Quasar. Yeah, we don't know if she's Quasar, though. Well, I mean... Well, we Qua- yeah, we don't know if she's wielding, like, quantum bands or if that's, like, an internal power. We just don't know. No, we don't, but it, right. it seems to be leaning that way with what we have seen so far, but we do not know. So right. We, we, right. I'm going to choose, right, choose to just, you know, wait and not speculate on that one. Um, yeah. I did read that uh, Sana Amanat, um, you know, as a consulting producer on this and also spoke to G Willow Wilson on this about how they had to adapt the powers, you know, and, and revise her and, 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 and revise her powers. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, Ka- uh, Kamala Khan's powers, uh, for the MCU. And, you know, they, they, listen, if, if those creators, if the creators who were right at the, 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 the forefront at the, at, at the inception of this character at jump street, if they're okay with it, we should be too. I, I agree with that, and I, I trust both of them, and I agree with that. But I'm also thinking Larry Hama signed up on that uh, Snake Eyes movie. Different thing. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's just because the creator is a co creator kind of signed off on the thing that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know. 
the 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 decisions were great decisions. Again, I trust them, so I don't. I'm not saying that they would make a bad decision. And they, I, they, the character is that baby, and uh, as, you know, I, I would trust whatever they sat off on is probably good, and I will be fine with it, regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Still- you know. Right, but but just getting back to what we were talking about with the Illuminati, right? Unfortunately, they do all get you know get murked, they get whacked. Well, There's the, you know whatever whatever slang term that that uh, that you have for uh, sleeping with the fishes. That's essentially what happens to the Illuminati, and you know Wanda, you know not even at her peak because she's not even like fully powered by the dark hold at this point is just waxing, just totally whacking them, like waxing the floor with them. I, I would like to make a point, And I was thinking about this earlier as I was driving home from the theater. This is the second time Charles Xavier has been killed by a, um, an entity possessed redhead. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying mm-hmm. the same Charles. Well, technically the same, the quote unquote, same Charles Xavier. Right. That's funny. Like, Damn, man. That's that is, funny. Got it out for him. That's funny. Um, I was about to say, I've read somewhere that Patrick Stewart is open to doing more Professor X. I'm like, does he have bills that he needs to pay? He must. He's just busy. He's just busy working because he's got Picard. I actually finished the second season of Picard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to finish that last. Oh, episode. you haven't finished it. I, not the last, uh, the last episode. Uh, oh, I actually finished it. I was wondering if you were, so we could talk about that next week if you want. But um, I think I got spoiled on something there. And speaking of getting spoiled on something, I got spoiled in there because we did actually start pushing along because uh, you know the time constraints. But um, I think I got spoiled on something on Picard uh, in that last episode, which I, I kind of figured, given what we know what this next season is going to be, who's going to show up in the next season, so that makes sense. Anyway, um, gotcha, gotcha. No, no, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. But back to Doctor Strange, though. Um, I guess we'll, we'll probably get into something else. But how? What do you think about the film? What do, are you still? I mean, you've had more time to process it than I have. Right, 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 right. And, and I might be able to help you out with your, you know, with your lines of thinking. Um, it was kind of weird. Well, let me tell you some of the the, the good things. That I that I thought one I really like the fact that they gave Christine Palmer, aka Rachel McAdams, more to do in this movie. Yeah. They made her an active participant. Yeah, and look at her with the red hair too. Yeah, not exactly in the same role that she yeah. was in, but it was nice to see that. Um, I feel yeah. like you know Wanda just being out of control. You know, listen if you read disassembled if you read uh you know leading up to um uh 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 whatchamacallit um no more mutants and um uh, house of m mm-hmm. right wanda unfortunately is a character that has gotten you know uh, a little bit of abuse in terms of how they've treated her and i felt like they they kind of abused the character in this i didn't necessarily like her motivation like she you know you know, kind of getting at what I was saying before about how there's no one looking out for her. Like, she has no friends. It's just her. And she's, like, alone with her thoughts. And being alone with your thoughts for that long. You know, it's kind of tough to figure out the timeline here. But between the end of Endgame and WandaVision is supposed to be only, like, less than a year. It's like half a year. Mm-hmm. 
And between the end of WandaVision and now is supposed to be several years? At least a couple, yeah. Right, at least a couple. So she's been alone with her thoughts for that long? Right. Yeah, I guess we don't know the the, the direct time frame, but we know it's been a good minute um, since since the end of WandaVision. Um, yeah, I felt like one... Like, I, I love the character. I love Wanda. I've always loved uh, Scarlet Witch as a character, and, and I agree with the fact that they've kind of done her dirty in the comics uh, even before all of that, realistically, even with her origin story, her quicks over the origin story changing every five minutes. Right. Um, but that being said, like... I, I was actually sitting there thinking in the middle of this, uh, of this film, it's like, so could they not have gone another way with this than to make Wanda? Not, granted, WandaVision kind of set this up and we and coming from off of the comics, we figured something like this was, would have happened. I still felt like there was kind of a stretch. Like even in the beginning of this, when, when Steven goes to her in the beginning, which you see in the, in the trailer, um, and and then all of a sudden it just pops off as like, nope, I want, you know, <laughs> I want, you know, this and that and the other. And I'm trying to get my kids and this and that and the other. I'm like, okay. As a motivation, yes, I see it. But at the same time, it's like, really? Um, I don't know. It, it felt... It felt in line, but also a stretch at a stretch at the same time. Like, like I said, this seems like something they've been kind of... Because even coming off of WandaVision, it's like, okay, at the end of WandaVision... She was pretty much seemingly making headway into recovery, into some sort of recovery. Until the post credits. Until the post credits, exactly. Which you could have read that a, a couple of different ways coming into this, mm-hmm. still. But, you know, it, it, they did go with this. And granted, that was this was also from a story from the uh, early on in the beginning. Uh, of the Avengers, not the beginning of the Avengers, but in her, of her time in the Avengers. So that's the whole Wonder Girl stuff and just on and that stuff. Like, okay, that was all in there. So they all tied it up pretty nicely and and decently together, even though, like I said, again, you know, it, is it just for this or is this what we're getting? That being said, like I said, I don't know. Her, her motivations aside, like I was like, yeah, that was kind of a, it felt like kind of a stretch, but I felt like there was kind of building up to it. Mm-hmm. And we still don't feel like we got part of the payoff that, again, like, they set some stuff up, but we don't know when it's going to pay off. Like, right. the kids, for instance. Like, we figured that, well, okay, maybe there was going to be something different coming out of this. And then, hey, the multiverse opens up and the kids are actually, you know, she gets a somewhat happy and then she gets the kids. And, you know, the whole Young Avengers thing gets set up kind of properly. We didn't get that, right? And which is which is a, you know like at least an element of the long game, right? Right. So you know the concept is introduced here, but we may not get the payoff for a while. Similar right. to that, right? I was about to say similar in that vein. Hold that thought. What happened to Mordo and what he was doing at the end of the first movie? Exactly. Well, they're probably they may take that up in the next one. In the third one, yes. right? Which which by the way, getting to that part. So there was a. Um, 
Uh, we'll, we'll come back to this. We're kind of skipping ahead. We'll maybe jump back if we need to. But um, I got spoiled on a little bit of the end credit scene uh, in the last uh, day or two. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that because that was such a great surprise. It kind of was. And it was from, matter of fact, I don't know why, how I saw it because I've been actually slightly staying off of. Um, Did you see it on the gram? Because, you know, you know, she spoiled it on the gram. Um, I think it was on Twitter through the gram. Oh, it was on Twitter where she was pointing to the gram. I yes. gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, she spoiled it on the gram and what we're speaking of, and we did ring the spoiler bell, folks, a while ago. Uh, Charlize the Theron has joined, has officially joined the MCU. And um, so now this gives more credence to the Fast and the Furious franchise and the MCU being more closely related than anyone has ever thought. And it hurts me. It doesn't hurt me that way. I I was I was shocked. I was like, oh, I I, I probably cursed, you know, real loud. And I had to explain to my crew that I was with because they're not comic heads. That is a strictly comic character. There is no other place that you would have seen that character. I don't know if that character ever appeared on like Avengers Mightiest Heroes or on I'm say you one of them. Yeah. Maybe right. Yeah. So, you know, there's no way or there's let's say there's very little chance that they would have been exposed to this character outside, you know, prior to viewing this on screen. And I was I was struck dumb. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, huh. All right. Like, even though I got um, even though I was kind of spoiled on it, I was like, okay, still got to see how it was uh, executed. Right. Okay. Just kind of walks up. Right. Right. You know, it's like a blue. Listen, it's a green screen cameo. That's fine, but you know they got her done up. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, and obviously the character that Charlize the Theron, you know, is you know I I call her the Theron because I, uh, um, you know, just just because, and you know she's playing Clea, right? Uh, Princess of the Dark Dimension. Uh, you know, long time. Uh, paramour of Doctor Strange and current in the comics Sorcerer Supreme. Yep. So Which, you know that that that. Well, I was about to say that it's funny that we should have guessed it because she has a book out now. Exactly. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, well, that's convenient. I've got a book out, but which you know. They kill Doctor Strange in the comics, uh, and she just happens to pop up as Sorcerer Supreme now, huh? Right. They don't make Wong like you know the Sorcerer Supreme like they do in the in in the movies. They're just like, oh, you know what? We're gonna bring Clea back, and we're gonna do that for her. Right. And it just so happens, oh, they did do it. They still did it, huh? <laughs> it was it was pretty fun. I'm sorry that that got spoiled for you. I mean, it's hard to avoid because when I saw. Uh, uh, Charlize Theron post that it was maybe a couple of days ago right yeah, and today we're recording this on a Thursday and a couple of days ago really only puts the the movie being out for maybe a weekend and a day or two and she right. posted I was like dang that's a little soon lady right so but you now like I said I think I saw it like uh, yesterday being Wednesday when we started recording or it's still I mean it's still Thursday so um mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's that aside. Um, and um, I don't know, real quick, like I said, uh, I don't know. I'm still processing the movie because, like I said, I just saw it today, and 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 um, 
There's a lot to it. There, there is a lot. There, I can't, I can't lie. There is a lot to it. And that's the, the kind of thing with with uh, Marvel. A lot of some of these Marvel movies, like there's a lot that goes into it. And going back to what we were saying, like, are they going to make good on some of this stuff, or is it just like, did they waste a good? I don't want to say wait. Well, did they waste a good opportunity to to, to start some other stuff? To, right. For did they make it like a throwaway reference? That's right. really what we worry about. And it's it's not you know it's not unprecedented. That's the unfortunate part. Exactly. So then. You know, is it more is it more Easter egg than plot device? That's really what we worry about. Exactly. Now, granted, they've been doing more Easter eggs in the shows than you know, and some of the bigger stuff in the movies. But they are not prone. They're they're, they're not above just kind of throwing away stuff in the movie that could have been something. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they kind of set up Super Wars. They, that one could probably be. I'm pretty anything. sure that one. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that incursion stuff that's going to be here to stay. That's I think I, so. I think this is the movie that starts to set up where they're going. It's just that if you're not familiar with that, you're not a hundred percent sure. Right. But like there's but stuff along with with that, you know, like okay, so uh, what are we doing here? Where are we going with this? Yeah, I mean, it's what, the whole it's I mean, the it's the multiverse, right? Right. Like you, you know, like we, well, what I was telling the crew was that, and I had to remind them that Doctor Strange was supposed to come before Spidey, right? So they had to reshoot a little bit of Doctor Strange to accommodate that. And, you know, they do make just a passing reference to Spidey at the beginning of the movie. And, uh, you know, uh, some of the people I was with were disappointed. They thought it would have tied in more closely. I'm like, but that's Sony. Yeah, and I would agree with that, you know, but again, like you said, it is Sony. And I felt like in a way or two, that Spidey movie kind of blown out the multiverse a little bit better than this movie did. Because of the order that I think they would have, that they were introduced. I think uh, they would have been or should have been introduced. I think that's, they, that just couldn't be helped. Right. And, but I think that if you just take them together as a whole, as a way of introducing the concept, I think that's, I think together they work out. Okay. In that, in that now that we have the concept of the multiverse, now we have the concept of incursions, right? And I think the concept of incursions were, was already established in, in, in No Way Home, but did not have the name because they did not want to put it in a, in a Sony movie. I think that's what... The, the Mysterio stuff, the way he was... Yeah. Well, not yeah. Well, kind of the Mysterio stuff, but kind of the, uh, the, just the concept of all these realities coming in. Right. right. And bouncing off. I think that, you know, you kind of have to take a look at the concept of the multiverses colliding as a whole and then put the terminology of incursion into the Marvel movie so they don't drop it in the Sony movie. Right. So I think that's I think that now that you take them, the you take them together, the two of those movies together, you throw in the concept of incursion. Now you can move forward and. All of that stuff can start leading to Secret Wars. I think that's the roadmap we're on. It's just harder to comprehend because we don't have that easy connective tissue of a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, a S.H.I.E.L.D. organization gathering people together. (laughs) Right. Or some of the other um, aspects that... um... 
that we would know coming into the Secret Wars. Right. This is even more comic booky than ever, to be honest. You know, yeah. they are absolutely. You know, this is like uh, 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 back. You know, I, I hate to use Crisis on Infinite Earths as a as a as a reference, but you know, the the very first hint of Crisis on Infinite Earths happened in the pages of New Teen Titans. And when I was a kid, I had I did not understand what was going on. It was a brief, like, two or three panel aside that Wolfman and Perez put into New Teen Titans to kind of mm-hmm. tease um, the, mo- the, I think it was the, 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 mo- the anti-monitor. Gotcha. Right? And, you know, this is the, this is the, the epitome of the long game. And, and just as we were talking about before about how Hickman introduced the concept of incursions, it took them like 30 issues, like close to two years to, to, to execute the secret wars, to get to the point where they could start yeah. executing the secret war story. So the thing about it, it built up lovely though. Right. You know. Right. So we have to be patient. We have to see how this builds up across these next several uh, MCU projects, Disney Plus, and um, uh, movie projects. Mm-hmm. All right, that's been saying. Uh, I, I feel like we will probably come back to Doctor Strange uh, in some kind of way, uh, probably next week. Who knows? And I'm sure there's going to be some articles or whatnot. But we need to move on. Um, oh, yeah. I, did, I, I had I, I had one or two things I wanted oh. to ask you because it is so fresh in your mind. And I'm sorry that we are running long, so we're going to keep things moving at a quicker pace once we finish this. Um, what did you think of the third eye stuff? Yeah. See, that's – again, I was like, okay, I, I, I see it. Like with the whole thing with the dark hole and, and like where is that going? What is, what is that supposed to be? Like, okay, this is technically – that's – going into his next movie. I assume that's going to play in that, that, into that some way, but I'm like, I don't know, though. Because, and and it also was weird, because, like, if you think about it, our earlier, older Doctor Strange uh, comics had the third eye, had him using the third eye with the eye of... Um, well, no, I was about to say, that's the classic use of the eye of Agamotto, or Agamotto, the way they pronounce it in the in in the MCU, right? The classic use of the eye of Agamotto is that he opens the lid and the eye affixes itself magically to his forehead so that he can see illusions, he can do this that like whatever the author, the writer needed him to do, the eye right. could help him do, right? So I'm like looking at this, I'm like, that's creepy, but that's not the way the third eye is supposed to manifest. What is going right. on? And then right. they have yeah. the eye, right? They have the eye, like when he's opening the, um, the whatchamacallit, the, the safe. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So he uses the eye to do something. So there's still some magic in the eye. Right? right, but he doesn't use it to manifest the actual third eye. I'm like, come on, this is natural. And so, so they basically tied the third eye to his use of the dark hole, right? And I'm sitting there like that part I kind of had a problem with because what we just said, like, okay, we we know the classic use of the eye, the third eye being there, and I'm sitting there like, wait, so your testing is this, and the dark hole's been quote, quote unquote dealt with for some so, so what are you going to do with this now, right? So, yeah, it was kind of weird, and it was good to see the eye. Um, still being used in some form right yeah so that was cool but at the same time it was like 
Yeah, we never got the. That was the thing that made me think about it. And it was like, wait a minute, we've had the eye all this time. He's never used it in that way, and all of a sudden, poop, third eye shows up because of his use of the dark one. I'm like, that's mm, I don't know. We're, what are we doing with this? Right, and we, you know, we're we're just hoping that this is something that is more, uh, so, something that that that'll be explained in the third movie. We just have to be patient. Hopefully, we'll see. Um. You said you just had something else to ask me, or no? I think I I think that was the the, the bulk of it. Okay. You know, just yeah. uh, just that. Um, uh, you know, I I was just curious to, to to hear what you had to say about that. And there there are two interrelated things about the. I think that's what it was the 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 eye, the third eye from the dark hold, and the actual use of the eye of Akamoto because it's not just there to clasp together his 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 cloak. <laughs> You know, it is supposed to function still. So we know that, you know, obviously its primary function was to house the time stone, but in the comics it has so much more. Right. And and it took two movies and the dark hole to get to it to be clue well to get to get to be shown right. in, in a reasonable way, but still not used in the same way. So right. I don't know. That's that's weird. Um Something else I was going to say, but I don't remember what it is at this point. Um, yeah, oh, 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 oh. So I know people, were, this is the last thing is that we can move on, but I, uh, this is just kind of a throwaway. But Bruce Campbell, obviously, you know, the Sam Raimi staple, um, shows up in the movie. And it got me thinking people want Deadpool as the, uh, as the Stan Lee cameo in the MCU. Why not Bruce Campbell? Yeah. Like why not? I don't know. Make him. I don't know. He probably could have been a cable or something. I don't know. But you know, they, go ahead and give it to Bruce. That man's he's earned it. <laughs> Listen, you know what? It, it wouldn't be a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I for the most part, I can safely say that I kind of, I, I did enjoy the movie, but at the same time, I'm like, I the, there's some processing I still need to do. I don't know if I would go back and watch it again. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is something that I would watch in the theaters again. It's something I would watch. I would, I would definitely, you know, as soon as it hits Disney plus, I'll watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or physical one or two, you know, whichever, well, it'll hit Disney plus first, but regardless. Yeah. So especially in line with what will probably be out by the time, uh, it hits streaming. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, yeah, it's, it's out there. Dr. Strange's mom, catch it. Um, we're going to move on to books really, really quickly. Yes. Uh, we have <laughs> spent a good hour on this almost. That's pretty great. Uh, we're going to start off with, what do we say? Iron Man number. So we got two weeks worth of books. We're going to start off with last week's books, uh, at least one or two with Iron Man number 19. And the uh, creative team on this is... It, the book is written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Cafu, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So I will tell you that I dropped this book uh, from my physical pull list during this run. This story has essentially lasted 19 issues. This, um, this, this uh, Korvac, this reintroduction of Korvac to the Marvel Universe. And it just took a while to develop. I thought there were several slow points in the middle of the story. But seeing how we got to the end, it is kind of similar to how the original Korvac saga played out. 
in the sense that you know they brought the the humanity back yeah to Korvac and you know they 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 literally brought the humanity back to Korvac they brought him back to being human and and they, they brought a, a a level of understanding so it's kind of like at least from my perspective that Cantwell was looking you know he kind of combined a little bit of demon in a bottle and a little bit of the Korvac saga into this story what do you think no, oh, I totally agree. Yeah, you could, you could, like, Randy, if you are new to, to Iron Man and newer, more newer to the books, you would not know this. So this is all fresh to you. But for those of us that have been around for, for a while and have read both of those stories, like, yeah, you can definitely see it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been there this whole time we've been reading it. And I'm like, okay, sure. And the way, even the way that I guess, presumably it's, it's done with, it's dealt with almost, it's not, Obviously, it did not end the same way, but um, yeah, like the, like you said, uh, bringing the humanity back to Korvac's part, part uh, going into the outset of it, it, it was kind of the thing. Again, we it doesn't seem like it's. I'm not sure if that part was final or not, or even if that actually happened, because we never see what happens after that. You so, are correct. It, so there could be something still going on with this. Um. That they'll probably come back to in a couple of issues, but we don't know. Right. If not a couple of issues, at least in the future, wherever they need to touch back upon what happens to Korvac. Right. Like, in a, even if it's, and I would hope they wouldn't do this, but it would be powerful, of course, I suppose. Like, it'd be a throwaway to line of like, yeah, damn shame what happened to Korvac. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, which... I feel like that would be, a, again, that would be a waste. It's like, why well, set all that up just to kind of throw it away like that, you know? Um, but, yeah, it has gotten to this point. To, Tony's doing his thing, I guess, and we're still building up to that other thing that's um, that we know is going to happen, which I could have sworn was going to happen before now, but I guess that is next issue. Right. Yeah, with the... Um, with Patsy Walker? The, the, yeah, yeah, the Patsy Walker thing. Um, so yeah, I guess we're still leading up to that. Uh, that's still a go. I don't know. Yeah, Iron Man nineteen. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much all you can say about that. Relatively. Yeah. Well, because you know it's 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 a lot of talking heads, which is why yeah. I chose to really take like a ten thousand foot view of it and just see it from our perspective as longtime readers. And if you're looking to, you know, read it and you're not as, you don't go back as far, you're not as, um, you're not a long timer like us, right? That's, that's the way I, I, I put it. You know, you don't, you're not of the same vintage as us, then maybe this will be like a new introduction to you, to this aspect of the Iron Man character and the Korvac story. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the one thing I am kind of curious about if there are any old uh, long time vintage folks out there who have been re- reading this books, I don't know how many people there are at this point who saw this and be like, Oh, they're just rehashing this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. Like, boo. Right. But it's um, interesting that they combine the two, but right. that Cantwell decided to take, you know, these, these two kind of famous stories, one more more closely associated with Iron Man than the other. Right. You know, the other one, you know, the Korvac story was obviously, you know, across the pages of the Avengers. 
some would say he's probably taking some notes from the MCU. And I'm not saying saying that like actually as in the blending of two stories into to making a a uh one I, I don't even want to say coherent, but I guess it kinda is story. Right. right. No, I get that. I, I absolutely get that. That that makes a lot of sense. So but yeah, uh, moving right along. Uh, what's we don't actually have anything. Uh... Yeah, I'm gonna spin up. I'm gonna spin up the uh, the minigun so we can uh, rapid fire last week's books. Okay. Sorry, Jesse. I ain't got time to bleed. Uh. <laughs> Flashpoint Beyond, number one of six. So I decided to read this. This is written by Jeff Johns and Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan, with art by Hermonico Mikel Jenin, uh, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. and Jordi Belair, with letters by Rob Lee. So yeah, if you're familiar with the Flashpoint story, I'm only vaguely familiar with it. I actually watched the DC animated version, which is, you know, uh, apparently a pretty good adaptation of it. And so this... This takes that to, you know, it takes that to uh, another point in time. You know, it's not exactly a, a, a continuation, but it's a it's more of a beyond, as it were. You know, because that's what DC does. Yeah. You know, if, if it's not a... Say again? The Marvel has done similar. Yeah, yeah. If it's not a crisis, it's a flashpoint. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, that, that's what this is. And, you know, they're going to bring in some hyper time. That's what the, that's where the book ends. There's a, a tease that there is a death in hyper time and, you know, Barry Allen is involved here. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So yeah, that's, that's what that is. And last for me, and I'm surprised that Roddy Cat did not read this is Avengers forever. Number five. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Jim Toe. Colors by Guru EFX and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I don't remember if I read four. That's why I didn't read it. Ah, I see. This issue is a little bit of a standalone. So, you know, you won't necessarily have to have read too much uh, prior to this. But this uh, this issue focuses upon, uh, you know, there's a council of everything in the Marvel Universe. There's a council of Mephistos or, or a, a League of Mephistos. What did we? What did they call them in the in the pages of Avengers? I don't remember. I'm just going to, with the uh, Council of uh, <laughs> Council of Mephisto, but I don't remember. Right, because at the end of the day, we you know we were introduced to the concept of Council of Reeds. There's a Council of Mephistos. The Council of Dooms is uh, isn't exactly what we get here, but what we get here is an, uh, a play on that idea, and we have a Doom that considers himself the Doom above all, and this is a variant of the doom that comes from that un I think it's the unbelievable no unfor, I think it's unforgivable storyline that Mark Wade and Mike Wieringo rest uh, rest in peace Mike Wieringo did uh on the Fantastic 4 where uh doom uh basically kills like his uh teenage crush and makes magical armor out of her skin did you ever read that? That's a great storyline. I don't think I ever did. No, that's a great storyline. If folks, if you are on Marvel Unlimited, this is not a plug. 
Uh, I will look up those issues and try to plug them in, if not into the show notes, into a tweet or something where that is definitely worth your time to read. And I will definitely pass that on to Roddy Cat and see if he makes time to read that after he reads Hulk Future Imperfect number one and two. And um, essentially, that you know, you didn't did you you didn't read um, Warren, Warren? I skimmed uh, it. I skimmed it. It's not you know, it's not that big. A deal. Did you read it? No, I skimmed it. So, but bottom line is, you know, that this issue is really all about Doom and uh, this particular Doom's place and all the places of Doom in the multiverse. And that is the point of Avengers Forever. And that's it for my books for the week of May fifth. Or May May fourth. Oh, no! You had to see that coming. You just yeah. had to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't the wrestling Legion of Doom because it wasn't a rush. And, uh, you know, oh, what a rush. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I thought it was, you know... I, being familiar with that run of comics and, and, and that run of comics being uh, familiar and, and a favorite of mine, uh, it was kind of cool that Aaron chose that particular incarnation of Doom to make the Doom above all. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, you know, Aaron, Aaron's good for some good polls. Yeah. Um, you go ahead for next for last week and then we'll move on to yeah. this week. Um, I got pull up a book so I can get the uh, thing here. But uh, for my books from last week, we used to go with uh, Star Wars number 23 um, with the creative team of I'm trying to do three things at once. This is not great. Um, I think um, creative team of Charles Soule, writer, uh, Raymond Rosanis as artist, Rachel Rosenberg as colorist, uh, VCs Clayton Cowles as the letterer. Um, so this takes up after the, the last issue where, um, um, a ragtag group of, uh, re- rebels, uh, takes it upon themselves to go rescue the, um, rescue Shara Bay, who is Poe Dameron's mom. The one leading the charge is Poe Dameron's dad. Um, uh, the, the Leia and the rest of the rebellion get a get a get a wind of this, and I think they're going back up. Up, but this whole issue is pretty much um, where the the rebels think they got uh, this uh, imperial commander on the ropes, and she comes to show them how not true that is with some pretty ruthless uh, efficiency uh, before these uh, the the rebel group. Um, uh, that is has infiltrated the Star Destroyer, kind of put a, a kink in her plans. Um, but yeah, she was pretty much handling. She was outnumbered, out, out pretty much outnumbered, outgunned, and took out a, a couple of rebel rebel um, um, uh, a bunch of rebels, including uh, having them take care of themselves. It was a pretty good read, I, I gotta say. Um, but this is all leading off to another showdown between uh, her and Princess Leia. Which she's been aging for because she's a driven woman. So we shall see how what happens with that uh, next issue. Uh, next book is still in the Star Wars corner with Star Wars Obi Wan Kenobi number one because you know since there's a show coming out you gotta give gotta, gotta give man's a book. Uh, I know that's a cynical view of, of things, but guess what? That's just the way it is. 
Some um, things will never change. Exactly. But um <clears throat> speaking of Christopher Cantwell, Cantwell, um he's the one who's writing this <coughs> book. So this is his first non-armored um book he's writing. Ar- armored character book that he's writing. Um and artists of Ario and Dito, uh, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by uh, our lettering Paisan, one VC's Joe Caramagna. <laughs> said that I said that for um, eight and seventy four to one time. So yeah, um, so this issue is pretty much um, well. It starts off as old Ben. Uh, but then, of course, as it, as has done in the pages of Star Wars proper uh, in the past, kind of goes back into time with a story from uh, uh, Obi-Wan's Utes. In this particular case, it goes back to when he was a little Utes in, in the Jedi Temple, and uh, we meet uh, um, his friend, his best friend uh, of another Padawan um, named Jaren, I believe her name was. And of course, you know, if you know anything from Clone Wars and, and uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Obi-Wan has been friends, friendly with the ladies since since uh, for a long time. In this case, this was not that type of a friend, but just uh, like, hey, this is a, the person who protected him in the Jedi Temple. And they clearly, you know, ended up being best friends. But uh, something so um so something happens and um Obi-Wan tries to help out and doesn't end up turning out well and he um uh ends up uh coming back to the temple by himself so i don't know where the story is going but i assume we're going to meet this character again at some point during the course of this um i think this is a mini series actually i'm not sure i believe it is a five issue mini series and i'm and i should have checked that out but i'm not sure but this is basically seemingly like uh, Obi-Wan kind of recounting stories in, in, in his youth, unlike, like, the, I mean, much like what happened in the, the pages of Star Wars early on. So, so far, it's pretty good starting off. Uh, next up, Magic number 14, uh, which is the Magic Get the Gathering book. Uh, there we go. Boop. So, let's see. Uh, Jed McKay is writing, uh, Iguar is illustrating, Colors by Ariana Kansani, and Letters by Egg Dukeshire. So yeah, our three uh, planeswalkers are pretty much in a swamp looking for some cauldron because they need it for their next step of their quest and uh, tries to save Ravnica. And apparently this um, this uh, cauldron has, uh, has been testing them this whole time in the swamp. And I guess they had enough mana to get through the uh, to, to, to get through their ordeal because at the end of this, they seemingly have chosen wisely. Um, to what extent, we don't know, but I guess we will find out next issue. Uh, last but not least, for last issue uh, last week, Nubia Coronation Special Number One. Uh, and this is a buckle up because there's a bunch of people on this one. Uh, writers Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala, art by Ar- uh, Marguerite Savage or Savage. Is it Savage or Savage? You don't know. Got me. Neither do I. Um, uh, Colleen Doran, uh, Daryl Banks, Jill Thomas, and Thompson, excuse me, and Alita Martinez. Colors by Marguerite uh, Savage and Col- Col- Colleen Doran, Hi Fi, Jill Thompson, and Alex. 
<clears throat> excuse me, Alex um, Gomez, and letters by Becca Carey. So the name pretty much sells it all. Uh, there was a coronation special because you know the newbie is queen of the Amazons, but she this is the, her official coronation. But um, what pre- this pretty much is is um um that's pretty much the set piece, but it's also uh, a a couple of backstories into getting into a, a little bit of a. Um, um, uh, newbie's backstory. I am not entirely sure if these were previously done stories or these are new. I think one of them particularly is new uh, backstory or new information on Nubia, but it looks like uh, there's kind of interspersed with uh, what's going on in the coronation and uh, some backstory into Nubia. It's a, it's um, from what I skimmed through, it's pretty good. You should check it out. And that is it for my books from last week. Now we're going to get into this week's books uh, by talking about. You want to talk about the cat book? Sure. We can talk about Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number one. It's written by Tochi Onibuchi with art by R.B. Silva, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan VCs, Joe Caramagna. So this is the first out the gate of these twin parallel running Captain America books, one with Sam Wilson as Captain America and one with Steve Rogers as Captain America. So we've settled the idea of having more than one Captain America and now they are on missions uh, that are running separately from each other. Inevitably, they're going to cross over at some point. But in this case, we have a very uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier opening to this story. Yes. Yes, indeed. It was very reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Which is not bad, but I was like, it was just noticeable. <laughs> it, you know, it was, it, it was, it was almost like ripped out of the story of uh, of the of the uh, the limited series, right? You know, we get a little bit. Oh, go ahead. No, that just that first episode. Right. So we get a little bit of, uh, you know, of. Uh, backstory and exposition from uh misty night you know mercedes night you have to you have to be reminded of what her actual full name is and um you know if there's one thing that i've always struggled with with uh sam wilson you know it's like they're giving him extra abilities that i don't know he had before i'm like is this dude invulnerable he's taking on like full-on missile strikes I noticed that, and, was, and not only that, but Falcon, apparently, the new Falcon, went up into space. Space! What is he <laughs> flying on? What is he gliding on? And no, he's got his, and his, his, well, his, his abilities are natural, so I'm sitting here like, I don't know if he should be able to do, now granted he had an armor, but, so I'm thinking, the only thing I can say is that that has to be vibranium. That's the only thing I can think of come close, but even still, even still, kind of a stretch. even yeah. still, even still, yeah, I mean, it makes like, sense, right? It makes sense that they would armor him up more than they would Steve. Right. Right. And, you know, because we're presuming that he's got a strictly either adamantium or vibranium shield, right? It's, it's one or the other, right? Or maybe some sort of hybrid, but not as strong as the regular, as the original shield. Right. 
But you know, as Roddy Cat mentioned, you know what is implied in the move in the um, in the D, in the MCU is that the new Falcon uniform is going to be uh, Wakandan tech, and Wakandan and the suit itself is Wakandan tech, not just the wings. Originally in the comics, the wings were Wakandan tech, but he didn't have any sort of armor or anything else on it. So we're going to presume that that's what is giving him like a little bit of extra speed, strength, and 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 whatnot. Right. Yeah, and and I I kind of bristled on the same thing you did. Not maybe not necessarily, but I'm. That well, no, like it was startling, right? It was startling. Like, what the heck is that? Right. I'm just like, wait, he got hit with a missile. What looks to be twice, if you if those panels are to be believed. But the, definitely one big, but one big uh missile. I'm sitting here like, that's a surface to air missile, and this just is some dude. Now, granted, the shield probably could have taken some of, but the way they presented it, I'm like, no. No, his the shield's in his arm. It's not on his back. So That's what I'm saying, like the way they presented it, is like he just kind of took that, and like you said, I'm like, how? What? Like the explosions are right there behind him. It's just like and he just almost like hulks out of it or something, and he's just like, nope, I'm all right, we're good. I'm like, how does that even happen? What? Right. What happened? And he does do one shield throw, which bothered me also. I was just like, come on, man! I know he had practice. I know he had practice. This is not the same as the MCU uh, 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 version of, of Sam, right? But I'm like, come on, man! You got to make it look a little like he just can't do the same stuff that Steve does. He can't. It's just different. No, right. Exactly. Right. And and I would hope that would never try to present it as such. You know, I mean, he has a. Um, sorry. He he has different abilities. Yeah, he can fly. That's the best part. Right. <laughs> he can and fly. He can integrate those abilities a little bit different than obviously Steve can. So yeah, so that gives him a little bit more more to to, to um to deal with. You know, it's just it, it, I just think it's amazing to me. I'm like, come on, man! Like you know, one, two, three hits with the shield, really? Ah. Uh... About the man, not the shield. Uh-oh. You know, I, like I said, you know, it's 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 to make the people and the you know the, the MCU fans happy, and I get that. But I'm like, yo, this guy can fly already. Do you understand how cool that is? You know, just for like a regular dude, he's got a flying suit that actually doesn't take up like a lot of bulk, and he can fly super fast. Come on, right? And we were not joking about the uh, the uh, that uh, Falcon was the soldier parallel because there are some shots that looked like they were pretty much lifted from that first episode. Yeah, yeah, all the way down to all the way down to the uh, the what do we call it the, uh, the 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 human trafficking. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. So, although, um, yeah, no, no, still plays. Never mind. I was about to say something, but no, it's still you're right. <laughs> There's nothing else to say about that. I'm sitting here like. Okay, so where's this? And again, I ask myself, where's this going? Mm-hmm. You know, because we get we we get the initial mission mission, um, we get you know a little bit of previously, uh, you know, with with him getting the mission and getting mission and the little bit with uh, Mister Knight. And apparently, they were they have they stayed closer together than we than they knew. <laughs> uh, they could have met earlier, but that's that's kind of a thing that kind of comes up in here. But the mission kind of goes a certain way, and like I said, ends up a certain way. And then at the end, we get presumably the the uh, the the big the the bad guy of the uh, of this first arc 
and this uh, person is uh, tied to uh, the Black Panther more closely than uh, a, a cap villain. Although there is another cap villain that this person is talking to. Right. I was going to say, is that the same character from the Black Panther books? So, yes, it's supposed to be. Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure about that because the name obviously is what stuck out to me, but the imagery was not familiar to me. So that's where I was thrown off. Which is also weird because now that I think about it, because that Black Panther Legends book uh, came out last, I believe, well, last week also. And the character is in that book, and I mm. believe this is kind of shades of getting that character to where probably coming towards this, even though that character was, you know, historically already to that point. But this is kind of a retelling of, I guess, getting to that point. So I'm kind of wondering if that was going on ways to get to to leap to this mm. in a certain way to to bring this character here right. for this. And that explain uh, that explains no. the thing that he's wearing on top of the suit, right? So, but yes, this is definitely that character. I'm saying, like, mm. that's interesting. So, what are they going to do? Again, it's, it's, a, it's a few questions of what's going to happen here. Like, what's going to Gotcha, gotcha. You know, um, well, they're going to, you know, much like you said before about, you know, what kind of being like a close tie to his equipment, you know, we're, we're going to presume that, you know, uh, it, it makes some sense that they would tie you know, uh, uh, a Wakandan character, you know, Wakandan tangent character to his story. And I believe they, they, it is even implied that, because uh, it's even implied, actually probably more than implied, but it, it is implied that this person is going after two countries and it's probably could be implied that one of those countries is, uh, even though it's never said, could yeah. be Wakanda. Yeah. So, and it will make sense for that character. Mm-hmm. So. But like I said, we'll see. Um, yeah, um, this was the first issue. It's a weird first issue because of the stuff that we mentioned already. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see if they're and, and that last the page or well, the page the image page that shows who's what's going to come next may or may not be making it that much better for me. But I'm gonna stick with it for a couple more. Um, for a few more issues to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I know that this is not a character that's on uh, either of our favorite character lists that is set to appear in the next issue. So, right, you know, we'll we'll see how this how this progresses. Alrighty, so do you want to just jump right into rapid fire for this week? Uh, or do you have another? Do you have another book that you want to kind of touch on? You know, because we read very similar. We we read mostly the same books this week. We should touch on Shang-Chi real quick. All right, all right. So we'll jump into Shang-Chi, number 12, written by Jean Luen Yang, with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. So do you want to start with that? Sure. Um, I can sum it up by saying this. It's MCU, folks. Oh, it is straight up. Yep. It is here. It is now. It is in your freaking face. Uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the cover. If you've seen Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, yeah, you, you get the parallel because it is here right now. This is the last issue of this book going into the, the new renumbering of Shang-Chi, which is, I believe, called... Yeah, it's a relaunch. Yeah, no, it's, it's Shang-Chi and the, and, the, and the Ten Rings, I think it is. Yeah, so uh, there is that. Yeah, it's like a relaunch slash renumbering because literally they're just coming out with a new number one next month. 
but it would have been like issue number 13. Presumably, if that last part of the book is to be led to believe, I'm guessing they're putting some toys back in the box with with the rest of his family. Unless they're going to bring him back for the the next book, we don't know. But it seemed like they wouldn't have had to do what they did at the end of this if they were going to do that. But we'll see. I mean, things have happened before. Um, But regardless, the the crux of this book is like this one last battle with uh, Shang-Chi and his family. Um, And... um, there is a battle over the Ten Rings, um, of which he ends up getting. Some of it parallels the movie in the way that he got them, in the in the in the partial use of them. So, if you've seen Shang Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings movie, and you read this issue, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, that is totally that is totally parallel," and it's ridiculous. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Nice. It's it, listen. I, I I I am in full agreement with Roddy Cat. We're all kind of not you know. Obviously, shocked is not the right word. We're we're just all kind of uh. You know what? We all have to kind of you know grin and bear it, as it were, when it comes to this stuff. When it comes to corporate synergy. We all have to just uh, accept it because it's going to happen and, you know, they, they want to have, you know, these characters kind of parallel each other in the comics as well as, uh, you know, in the movies. Obviously, that is definitely going to be part of what Kevin Feige brings to his, you know, his current role, his new role, his newly established role of being like a like a creative director of all things Marvel. So... You know, it's no surprise, but at the same time, you know, it's nice to see that they're doing something with the character that's not like that the the awful stereotypes. But at the but but in in the same regard, we some of us miss the the best parts of those stories, and it's a shame that they're leaving the best parts of those stories behind. You know, the spy stuff, the the the, the intrigue, you know, the international intrigue stuff. Now we're getting into like straight up super heroics. And Shang-Chi's just not, he's not being portrayed as being like a hundred percent capable. You know, it's like, it's almost like they regressed him a little bit as a character just so that they could make him match what he's like on the screen right now. Right. You know just the touch, weird? just the touch. I don't know if you sense that. No, I get that. You're right. You're right. You know what it kind of feels like to me, <clears throat> even though they've kind of, they're, going a different route with the Iron Fist character is it felt like, well, if they did do that, they would be um is like they would be mirroring Iron Fist. But even the Iron Fist that we have now is not the same as, as the the original Iron Fist who's kinda in the backseat at this point. So that was a weird reasoning if that was the case of, of what they thought. Like for some strange reason, even if it had something to do with the the, the uh parallelization to the MCU they did not necessarily have to do this. I feel like, because if you even if you just go back to what Hickman uh, did in the in the Avengers run, great stuff. You know, he was on the Avengers. He didn't even have you know he was but he was on par and didn't even have to have any other uh, power ups. He was just the master of kung fu, and they used him effectively. Well, somewhat effectively. I mean, I, at a certain point, they really didn't do too much to him. But the times that they used him, they they had him great. 
Right. I want to say, like, if, I think Iron Man gave him some weapons. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But still, but he wasn't, like, totally relying on that. Not necessarily that he's relying on this now, but let's face it, they're putting this in here. They're putting the, they are putting this on him now for him to use more of in the future. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So. Yeah. This yeah, and and you know it's funny the 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 their parallels in the issue with the exact events you know just with different characters Doesn't from the Shang it was it it made me laugh I was like oh look at that it's almost like laid out the same way too yeah yeah I'm sitting like good just like the Captain America book I'm like oh, really this is <laughs> this is where we are though. <laughs> oh uh... Uh, they're, 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 I do, I do have, I do have a sound effect for this, folks. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely fits. Uh, all right, so we're rapid firing everything else. Yep. I ain't got time to bleed. Alrighty, next up for me is Hulk versus Thor Banner of War number one. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Martin Cocolo, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. So I actually needed a little bit of a hand reading this book. And what I received was a welcome, you know, a, a welcome note, introductory note to this issue. What I'm referring to is that opening page that I think Kisada put in and uh, you know that he instituted during his during his reign as uh, editor in chief right I needed this because I read both Thor and Hulk I I took Hulk off my pull list but I do read it when we get our preview copies and I actually needed to see why on earth these characters are in are interacting because it was teased at the end of the last issue of Hulk and, you know, I really needed this, you know, the, this, this opening scroll and that opening splash page to figure out why on earth Thor is encountering Hulk at this point in time and where he's encountering him and why, you know, so I, I really did need that. So I appreciated that. And that actually helped me to understand this. And there were actually elements of this, which is very, which were very Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. You didn't get it until you looked at it just now, but I look at it having read it after I'm watching it. You know, it's like they're in, you know, it's almost like they're in a, uh, uh, you know, they're on a planet, but it's almost like they're in a reality where, you know, it's it's just so different and it's so, well, it's not a spoiler. It's so cartoon-like. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, I, I, I kind of thought that was like a funny aspect here, but to, uh, but but uh, to to move on to later parts of the issue, we literally have uh, Street Fighter Two Capcom Marvel versus Capcom layout. Yep. Uh, you know, including the sound effects. You know, uh, put oh. in there by Joe Sabino. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I also read this too, and I'm like, yeah, everything Agent Seventy just said still holds true, and and. I did not read the Thor book, but I have read the the Hulk book, and like you said, that first page explaining pretty much everything that happened that that's happened up until now was 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 uh was necessary. I kind of knew what was going on in the Hulk book because I was reading that. Um, 
the El Paso thing. I'm, I can't remember too well, and I don't remember if that was from. It was from the Mortal, beginning. It was from the beginning of the first Hulk uh, of Kate's Hulk. It was like from the very, very beginning. It's still a mystery, right? So, and that was the thing. I was like, okay, what is that about? And because so, okay, so I'm good. I'm glad that's still that's whatever that is. So yeah, getting up into the fight and the. Case is kind of known for doing stuff like this. Well, I think we can safely say that. Like, he likes the 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 big. Um, I don't want to say bombastic, but that's probably the the closest thing you could say. That that's uh, that's true. Yeah, the slobber so, knock. He sets up a lot of slobber knockers. Yes, uh, and this is and this is one of those, including uh, going into the end of this, this book. I don't know. I guess this is gonna go back. Yeah, this is gonna go back into the, the Thor book because um, uh, it's going back and forth between Hulk and, and Thor since he's writing both of those books. Right. Um, All right. So now you know what the status quo of Odin is. Yes, I do now. Yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, exactly. And it did kind of keep put, put me up to that. I'm like, okay. I remember you telling me about the, the funeral and stuff like that, and then this kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't spoil. That's the thing. I didn't spoil it last week. So this was right. the this is what this this was the development the character development that I I chose not to spoil in my review of the book last week. So now that you know now that it's been kind of presented to you in reading this book, now you know. Right, I'm sitting here like that's weird. I I found it funny that both of them had people talking in their ears and everyone was like, "Shut up!" <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to?" <laughs> right, and then and they just start fighting again. Yeah. So you know, um, Thor Ragnarok when they were um, uh, uh, when it was fighting, I almost expected them to say, "Hey, you." Well, I guess they wasn't going to say that. It's a it's a friend from work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely got that vibe too because they put they literally put them in a a, 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 a galactic arena for fighting. Right. So uh, they another uh, yeah another celestial body part that that uh, houses uh, something. Right, it's probably nowhere's hand. You know, the celestial, you know, oh, that yeah. celestial's hand. Good point. Yeah. yeah. And what the hell? So, and thing that the the most thing that kind of would go on after this, the thing that really struck me with the most, the weirdest about this was what the hell was Uatu doing there? Well, that's, the, thank you for mentioning that. When I first read that, I was like, so what's going on in FF? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this taking place? Where he's just sitting here chilling, just watching, eating popcorn, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I I had the same thought when I read that. Same thought. All right, last for me in rapid fire is X Men number eleven. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, uh, interestingly, uh, this you know. Uh, this issue follows up on uh, another kind of dangling plot thread that Duggan has had in this uh, volume of X-Men, namely the, ga- the, uh, the, the gambling planet, the, um, the whatchamacallit, Game World. World. And they, you know, they tie in a couple of galactic characters, you know, uh, uh, galaxy characters, uh, guardians as it were, to 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 kind of tie in um you know this this particular location and to provide the x men with some intelligence on how to get there and what's going on there 
And so they dispatch uh, a, a group of X-Men to deal with that. And, you know, obviously the, the, the mission isn't exactly going to plan. Um, also, we have uh, another group of X-Men who are working uh, uh, on Earth who, to um, to deal with yet another uh, plot thread that has been going on throughout this uh, this volume that ha- that revolves around the unfortunately witnessed death of Cyclops, a very public death of Cyclops. So there is, you know, uh, stuff that has to deal with that, and there is a big reveal at the end of this issue where you're just sort of like uh you know i I wish you know now that i think about i'm like i still have not yet found the right huh and i don't want to uh quote uh, tim the toolman taylor but that's sort of the reaction that i had here i was just like what the heck is that like you know i guess the I, i honestly guess the closest thing that i have in terms of uh, a sound effect to this is probably, you know, you know what it is? It's probably, uh, let's see, where did I put it? Where did I put it? I apologize, folks. You know, I did add a couple of new sounds to this. So I want to uh, see if I can find it because I don't want to butcher it. I do have it as a sound effect. You know, and I think, I think Roddy Cat knows what I'm talking about, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just, I, I literally, I probably just like glossed over it just now and I can't, I got to figure out what color I made it. That's the worst. That's the worst. Well, essentially, uh, what I'm looking for is uh, a what you talking about Willis. <laughs> if I find it, I'll play it. But bottom line is that's what, uh, you know, when I got to the, the, the end cliffhanger page, I was like, really? What you talking about Willis? I, yeah. Oh, here it is! I just found—I just found it. What you talking about, Willis? Thank you. I—I I, I kind of felt like that also, but also at the same time, I was like, "Okay, sure, yep, why not?" Surprise! But then again, I guess we—we we, we still have to get a little bit more on the next next issue because I was like, "Why?" Uh, I was not that surprised that this character or who this character looks like was the case. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. So I assume there's going to be a little bit more to it that we're going to find out about, but this this makes complete sense, sort of. Sort of. You know, and what's funny is that the variation of this character is related Mm -hmm. to card decks. (laughs) You saw it, right? Wait, did I see it? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yep. I was just like, Mm -hmm. huh. So is that where he's going, where, where Duggan's going with this? That's interesting. Yes, I did see that. I'm like, huh, okay. Like I said, we'll see, we'll see what happens next issue or what, what the, how to explain that out. Yeah, a particular suit of cards. We'll put it that way. <laughs> and that's it for me. Okay. Cool. I know Roddy Cat has a few more books to go this week. I do. I can breeze through a lot of these. Um Thankfully, though. Uh, first up, G.I. Joe, um, A Real American Hero, Saturday Morning Adventures, uh, number three. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Uh, I didn't get a creative team on this one, so that's fine. I think it's Eric Burnham that's writing it, but that's, uh, that's it'll, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. So this is pretty much the, um, a- as it says... 
Although Jojo never came on Saturdays here, can always came on during the, the weekdays. But this is pretty much the animated version of uh, GI Joe. This is what it set in the world, the, the world that it set in. And yeah, it's a pretty bonkers plot by Cobra because apparently, first day the the first issue I remember there was a they had um had a giant bat. Oh no, they came across this genie. Uh, Cobra Commander wished for a giant bat, uh, battle android trooper. And set him up on G.I. Joe. Uh, and I can't remember what happened next, the last issue. But uh, in true G.I. Joe p- fashion, Duke gets captured, uh, ends up in Cobra's uh, arena of sport in this particular issue. Uh, so there are some familiar grounds that this treads. And of course, um, there are folks that come after, go after him. There's even. Um, Although there is a nice little wrinkle of who he's fighting in this re- uh, arena, which is a callback to another uh, episode of, of G.I. Joe, which is kind of amusing. But uh, then it ends up uh, seemingly, weirdly enough, ends up seemingly like it's going into Contest of Champions um, territory in a way, because Cobra Commander puts his foot in his mouth and sets off a chain of events that... Uh, that uh well it sets off something that has the the um the genie taking control of the situation let's just say um and uh we'll see what happens with that <laughs> uh next in the, in the next and last issue of this here uh thing uh next up is uh I am Batman yeah I am Batman number 9 That. Excuse me for folks while I'm putting stuff together. Bing. These covers are going to be the death of me. So, um, John Ridley, writer, uh, a, uh, Kristen Deuce, and uh, Stefan Segovia, the artist, comes by Rex Locus, letters by Troy Pateri. Um, Jay Scott got beat up. There's no easy way to say it. He got handed. And uh, he's. Um, kind of still feeling kind of a way about that and so much to the point that he's taking it out on other people. Um, uh, but also there's a couple other characters that are kind of going through some a similar situation and trying to figure out um, what they should be doing and how to go about doing it. And uh, all of this is wrapped up in the fact that uh, there's a, a, a set of murders that the Batman and the police have been uh, um, uh, trying to tackle, um, but at the same time, the uh, the 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 mayor's office has had to field some um, some 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 things from one of the victims who happened to be on to be on the police force that is kind of causing some heat to come down in the in the city of New York. Uh, so there's a lot of things kind of bubbling up, and uh, we're even getting shades of the next uh, the uh, next uh, victim of said crime, um, presumably at the end of this issue. So we'll see where that goes. Next up, time before time, number twelve. Uh, zoop. Uh, writer Declan Shalvey and Rory McEnville. Art by P.J. Holden, Chris uh, O'Halloran uh, doing colors, and letters by Hassan Atsumani, Atsani uh, Alom. Um, so we get a little bit of backstory into 
Um, well, actually, we get a little bit of backstory with Nadia Wells and her partner before the events of uh, the, the first few issues, but uh, which all leads into the fact that her partner is trying to look for her. And of course, this is part, her partner is uh, kind of leading a whole lot of resistance. Uh, and at the end of this, um, ends up uh, in a holding pattern, let's just say, because of um, some things that are found out and some things that happened to him in the course of this book. So looks like this is setting up something that's probably going to come up later in another issue as things tend to happen. Um this book is still good. I enjoy this book. Sometimes it's a little hard to follow, but it's just still a good book. Uh, you should definitely uh, check it out if you like time travel stuff, because it definitely does play with that a good bit. Last but not least, uh, Blood Syndicate Season 1, uh, number one, which is on um, Milestone's return book. I have not read this uh, originally. I did not read Blood Syndicate originally in the, uh, the original run of Milestone, so I don't know too much about this. But uh, writer Jeffrey Thorne, pencils by Chris Cross, uh, inks by Juan Castro, colors by Will Quintana, uh, and letters by Andrew World Design. So I think we, from what I gather from reading this book, uh, there's we we get introduced to a couple of people that coming that are coming home from a war, presumably the Gulf War, uh, back to Dakota. They find out things have changed. Um, one of them seemingly has powers, but did not know uh, the fact that there are other powered individuals um, until halfway through this book, where Rocket ends up showing up. Um, and taking care of some guys and him being hip to the fact that, hey, things have changed in Dakota, but also things ain't changed because they've got worse because a lot of gang shit and therefore, um, you know, streets is rough. So he's uh, at the end of this kind of gets caught up in a little bit of that, but also finds out that the, that, uh, the, the heroes that he's, just found out about uh, that there are more people with powers than he uh, and that that is known, and that's going to set up the, the thing going forward. Like I said, I didn't read the original, so I'm not sure where where or how this goes. But I just I figured I'd check it out at this point to see what's the deal. And that, folks, I think that is actually it for me. Yes, it is. Well, I did skim What If Miles Morales number three, but it was, yeah, it was all right. Psst. Not really much to talk about there. That's it for me. All right. I wanted to touch upon that G.I. Joe Real American Hero Saturday Morning Adventures number three. I literally just flipped through it, and I I, 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 I regret not having read this before. It's yes. You know, this art style is heartwarming. The coloring is heartwarming because they, they employ like a flatter color uh, palette to more – uh, easily reproduce and replicate the, uh, the 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 color scheme on the cartoon. Right? I remember reading the first issue. I, I I'm gonna have to look in our archives for the second issue. Yeah, I'm good. I'm I, reading I, this good. and I'm like I'm I'm skimming this because it it doesn't take that much to read. Let's be honest. And and I'm like, oh my god, this is so fun. This is so fun. And then you get to the last pages. And then you find out what the other half of battle actually is. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's hysterical! 
And of course, at the end, of, at the end of the end of it, uh, there's a PSA. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical. That is hysterical. Oh man, this book is a treasure. Yeah, I, I've I've been enjoying. Uh, the, I might actually get physical copies of uh, find go find the physical copies of the of this run. Yeah, I, it's only issues. What's that? It's only four issues. Oh, it's, it's only a total four issues total. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a shame. This is such a, a nice throw. It's a nice throwback and recreation. You know. Well, yeah, and sadly, IDW is losing the GI Joe license. So even if it was ongoing, they weren't going to have it too much longer because I think uh, that their license ends this summer. So. Right, right, right. It's a shame. Hopefully that uh, you know this is this is a concept that uh, was it Boom that has it next. I'm not sure. I think so. Well, whoever whoever holds it next, I hope that this is a concept that they can uh, keep rolling because the artist on this is very good at recreating the animation style, the animation art style. Yeah, like I said, it's been good stuff. It's been fun. So I've, I've been enjoying it. Yeah, that's amazing. Holy cow. All right. So clicks of the week for last week and this week. So we will take them in order. So clicks of the week. Uh, other guys didn't really give us anything, did they? No, they did not. No, they're probably just you know they they probably didn't have a chance to catch up on all their reading because we t- you know because of uh, movie protocol last week. Yeah, but I already know what my one for this week is. But we'll we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, I mean for last week, the you know my pickings were slim for last week, so I'm gonna go with Avengers Forever number five because of the whole Doom above all story. I thought that was a pretty cool. It's not one and done, but it's definitely like a more of a self contained. You know, obviously they're going to be continuing with the with these um, multiversal masters of evil, but I thought that this was like a nice doom centric story. Mm-hmm. The Legion. Um, I think for myself, I'm going to go with Star Wars uh, twenty three. Actually, it, it was pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, and for this week, what do you have? It's big. Oh man, it's a lock. GI Joe, Real Mercury <laughs> Hero, Saturday Morning Adventures number three. I don't blame you. I was just reading. It. I was like, oh, this is so fun. This mm-hmm. is so so fun. Um, you know, I, having not actually read it, I literally just skimmed it in like a minute. You know, just like flipping through the pages. I can't much wrong longer actually reading it. Trust me. I, yeah, in good conscience, I can't really pick that as my click of the week this week. I did, in fact, enjoy a couple of the ongoing books that I that I read this week. One of them being X Men number eleven because I really liked some of the characterization in that. Mm-hmm. I liked the all girl away team that they sent yeah. to Game World. You know, I liked their interactions. I liked how, you know, especially with the uh, with the. Uh, the, the the advent of uh, Laura Kinney Wolverine, you know, they don't necessarily have to have Logan on these missions to be the scrapper. Right. You know, so it's cool that they can have like an all-female team uh, go in on a mission like this. Um, but I think what I'm going to go with is Hulk versus Thor Banner of War number one, because I like that they set up, you know, from the beginning, the fact that you know, the people who pick this up may not be ongoing 
series readers. They may not be reading Hulk and Thor at the same time. So I like that the opening couple of pages really set up, you know, not just that opening, that opening page that I mentioned earlier, but the first like four pages of the book set up the status quo of both characters. And then they go into the the battle. So I really like the way that was set up, whether or not, you know, we're going to get anything good out of this. That's another story, but I, I like that uh, this opening issue was a nice was nicely set up. Yeah, it was it was it was the way that I know Kate's I know enough about Kate's to be right. So that was almost my my uh, click, but I was like, nah, uh, I, I, I'm going I'm still going with Joe. That's okay. I don't have any problems with that. That's pretty cool because, like I said, it was heartwarming for me to just flip through that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And that clicks of the week, folks. That's it. All right. So before we move on to the news, I will break out our first ad read of the night. Mm-hmm. Our first ad read of the night is for audible.com and a free 30 day trial for you, the listeners of the Conquer Chronicles podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to, to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So you can try out uh, the audiobook of uh, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates, or you can try the uh, the audiobook of It by Stephen King. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash comic book chronicles. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash comic book chronicles for your free audiobook. And now we get into the news. And we start off with the cinematic news like we do about this time every week. Reservation Dogs' Devery Jacobs joins Echo uh, Marvel series for Disney+. Plus. So if we recall from a couple of weeks ago, there was a story where uh, this actress um, uh, sent flowers to um, Alaco Cox for about uh, Echo. And there was speculation that uh, they were going to join, that whether they were going to be in the cast or not. And here's confirmation uh, that the, that person is uh, indeed joining the cast of Echo. So, cool. And uh, like I said, this is uh, Devery Jacobs, who was from Reservation Dogs, who I heard was a, which I heard was a good uh, show, but I've never seen it. So, Next. Wow. So, uh... I listened to this podcast and I don't remember hearing this. So, uh, I'm going to need to re-listen to this. So Moon Knight head writer, Jeremy Slater revealed that a character from another Disney plus Marvel Studios series was almost the fist of Conchu's love interest instead of Layla Al-Fauli during an appearance on house of R that is, um, the house of R on the Ringerverse, which I do listen to with Mallory Rubin and, um, uh, Goodness, I forget her name from from Variety. She used to be with Variety. I apologize. I do listen to to your show. Slater discussed some ideas from the original pitch, the original pitch for Moon Knight. There were a lot of specifics in the pitch that did not wind up working in the show. He said, according to Slater, Maya Lopez, uh, also 
you know, who you know as Echo, Alaco Cox, played by Alaco Cox, from Hawkeye was originally intended as Mark Spector's love interest, much like in the comics, instead of Layla Al-Fauli. Wow, I did not know that. I didn't even know that was in the comics. Neither did I. It's news to me. That's weird. News to me. Yeah, same here. Um, Miss Marvel's entire Disney Plus series will receive a theatrical run in Pakistan because they don't have uh, Disney Plus. So, let's see. Um, yep. The Disney Plus series will get a special theatrical run in South Asian country, in the South Asian country, in honor of the titular hero's uh, Pakistani heritage. The first two episodes will premiere on June 16th, the day, ep- the day after episode two of the uh, show drops. Uh, episodes three and four will debut on the 30th, and uh, episodes five and six will hit the big screen on July 14th. Uh, as I said, Disney Plus is not available in Pakistan, Pakistan, which is why this is happening. So that's actually cool that they're getting it, uh, despite that. So, you know, the experience for it, seeing it in theaters, would be that'd be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so. definitely, definitely. All right. Next up, so Marvel Studios has swapped the release dates for two of its 2023 blockbusters, The Marvels and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So we talked about this a little earlier. According to Variety, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania will arrive in theaters on February 17th, 2023, while The Marvels, which has a, which was originally on that date, has been pushed to July 28th, 2023. Yeah, I don't think there was any reason given. But. Yeah, they said that they didn't give a reason, but the rumor is that Quantum Mania is further along in production so that they can, so they could legitimately flip the two and have uh, an on-time release. Right. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts no longer directing uh, MCU's Fantastic Four. Um, so as reported by Deadline, says there's nothing sinister attached to the departure. And Watts is expected to rejoin uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya for the next entry of the Spider-Man franchise, whenever that might be. It just says here that he just needs a break from the superhero realm, which, understandable, you know. Uh, he did three movies, doing another. You know, Fantastic Four don't need that, and neither does he. Nice to know your limitations. Next. Denai Guerrero confirmed that Black Panther Wakanda Forever has a beautiful Chadwick Boseman tribute in the film. On the red carpet for the Met Gala, she told Variety about what fans can expect from the highly anticipated sequel. She was emotional at the prospect of talking about it, and she explained how Ryan Coogler has been instrumental in honoring the legacy of the beloved actor. Uh, Let's see. So she basically just said, listen, we poured everything we had into it. Uh, she hopes uh, that we experience that and it resonates the way it does for them. It tells a very heart-wrenching story and that is all she can say. She's very grateful for the way uh, their director and writer handled that. Okay. Looking forward to it. Uh, hey, May the 4th was with folks uh, this past uh, couple of weeks ago, uh, including and starting off with a new trailer for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Uh, that is coming soon on Disney Plus, actually, in what, three weeks, two weeks? Yeah, a couple of weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. The end of the month. Yep, sure is. On the 25th, I believe. Um, and yeah, there was a new trailer. It was pretty good. I cannot wait for this show. That's all I can say. Have, did you watch it? The, the new trailer? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It was it was good stuff. It made me more hyped about the show than than I would thought that I would ever be. That's all I can say. If you haven't seen it by now, it's in the show notes. Check it out. Next. Okay. Uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds opening titles have been released. So. Um... The full opening titles for the show have been released, and there is a definite retro vibe around them. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about this. So, yeah, this is Anson Mount, and I believe, uh, I dare say it's like a Discovery Print spinoff, but at the same time, it's it's apparently this is Kelvin timeline. So, from what I've seen about this, so that's the probably the partially interesting part about this. I want to check it out at some point. But I want to catch up on Discovery first. Blake Lively to adapt uh, Scott Pilgrim's uh, creator's graphic novel, Seconds. So Blake Lively is set to direct a film adaptation of the graphic novel, Seconds, from uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. According to Hollywood Reporter, Lively made her directorial uh, debut with the music video for Taylor Swift's I Bet You Think You're About Me. Uh, but Seconds will be Lively's first feature film for the spotlight. Uh, Edgar Wright, who adapted O'Malley's uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in 2010, is involved with the Seconds project as well, writing the script and serving as producer along with Mark Platt. Yeah, did you see Blake Lively on the Met Gala with her Met Gala dress? Holy cow, she looked... I was about to say, I'm like, yo, Ryan Reynolds is a lucky dude. <laughs> That was a lot of that. I mean, yeah, that was a pretty much a stunner. But that was a that was a couple of good looks uh, at that joint. I mean, what I've seen yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't look at all of them, but obviously that was one of the ones that got a lot of press because of the yeah. the the change in the colors and all that stuff, the transformation. I was like, okay, right. I was like, all right, go ahead on. So, it's just all right. Up. Next, uh, Batwoman has been canceled on the CW after three seasons. We had this more CW cancellation news that dropped today. Oh, oh yeah. I think I said this is something, but I don't think. Well, anyway, we'll get to it. Yeah. So showrunner Carolyn Dries announced the cancellation on Twitter. Just got the sad news that Batwoman will not be seeing a season four. Okay. Um, and speaking of that, um, DC's Legend of Tomorrow also got canceled, but I think like the day after that. So yeah. The, um, and I believe I did see an article where they said that uh, they added uh, Donald Faison's Booster Gold character to basically try to get another season to add, you know, to add some uh, hype to 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 get another season. And uh, that seemed like it worked because it got canceled. Um, I don't know what got uh, outside of I think I don't know what what you saw that got canceled today. But was it something comic book related or was it like? What was it? Bendis related DC. Oh, Naomi got canceled. Huh. Well, that yeah, that probably tracks. Um, although I, it was kind of funny because I did see a report that was like, well, because of this and because of Batwoman, that kind of lended itself for Naomi to possibly get another season. Right. But I guess that's out the, out of the way. Yep. 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 But, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a bad show, but uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it sucks that they only got one season. Yeah. Yeah. So. Alrighty. Next, Next up, 
The universe of the Suicide Squad may be growing some more. Viola Davis, who played Amanda Waller in the film and its uh, and its predecessor, is in talks to reprise her role for a series project in the works at HBO Max. She was on Peacemaker. The show would span off from the streamer's Peacemaker, obviously, which I just said, and it features a couple of brief appearances from Davis's Waller. Uh, let's see. So plot details are being kept secret, but sources say the potential series would build on Davis's appearance in the Peacemaker series finale and uh, would probably play uh, play with uh, Danielle Brooks's character in the series, Leota Adebayo, who is Waller's daughter. Right. Makes sense. Sure. After especially what happened at the end of uh, Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, DC's Blue Beetle film logo gives off distinct 90s vibes. So I guess, uh, wait, was it taken off of Instagram? But basically, uh, somebody had uh, shown the logo, yeah, shared the logo on Instagram. Uh, the photo featured the logo and was on the back of a chair. The words of the titles were there. But it's not a link to the um, article anymore, so I guess they might have taken it down. Don't know. Next up. Warner Brothers Discovery has... It's so weird to say that. Warner Brothers Discovery has reportedly canceled DC Films' live-action Wonder Twins movie. Didn't they just greenlight this? So according to that hashtag show... The crew was informed earlier this week that the live-action adaptation of the Wonder Twins has been scrapped before production even began. A reason for this decision was not provided, though the merger between Warner Brothers and Discovery has changed plans for several existing projects. Production was intended to start in Atlanta on July 5th. So, I have not come across any corroborating reports um, whether this was the case. um, And I forgot to go and look again because this is like two weeks old so this is still as far as i know report and not necessarily yeah it still says yeah at least according to what i see here all the news stories are a little on the older side uh from from two weeks ago yeah yeah and and all of them seem to say reportedly so yeah um but usually i try to uh if you know if i find something that's that uh it's up to date, yeah. Then mm-hmm. I up, I try to update it before before we talk about it. Edu, uh, John Stewart gets his own movie, uh, Green Lantern. Beware my power! I saw this trailer; it was pretty good, and I can't wait to see this. Uh, the trailer is out there. Uh, obviously, it's animated. I, I shouldn't say obviously, but it, it is what it is. But it's out there on YouTube uh, and whatnot. You should check it out if you haven't checked it out already. Mm, I have not. That's interesting. What's yeah, the anima- really What's the animation style? Is it Japanese? Uh, different than yeah. no, it's still it's DC, still DC stuff. It's like the kind of later DC stuff. Oh, okay, not not uh, Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, but more the recent, uh, more the recent DC stuff. Right, got it. They're kind of in that in that vein, but it's pretty good. I wanted, I was gonna say uh, Frontier, but it's not is not even that style either. But so yeah, check, definitely check it out when you get a chance. Next up, wow. Somehow, Aqua's Barbie Girl song will not appear in the Margot Robbie Barbie movie. Come on, Barbie, let's go party, is the immortal refrain from Aqua's 1997 song Barbie Girl. But when it comes to the upcoming Margot Robbie movie, Aqua has not been invited to to join the fun. Despite fans insisting that the Europop banger, that's, you know, debatable, 
which has clocked up over a billion views on YouTube, should appear in the soundtrack to the Mattel and Warner Brothers film. Variety understands there are no plans for that to happen. That's just that's that's just wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, there was, I saw another article was like, nah, they don't want it in a movie because, you know, they're not sellouts, which I, you know, stick to your guns. I respect it. But also, what is that movie if that, if that song is not in it? Seriously? Oh, I don't know. Uh, first John Wick 4 footage reunites the franchise's biggest stars, uh, that being Lawrence Fishburne and Ian, Ian McShane. Uh so according to Deadline, the preview, which debuted during Lionsgate CinemaCon panel, uh, again, some of this is kind of old news, but hey, uh, opens up with Reeves' character training in a gym, and it goes on from there, um, leading to uh, the Bowery King and the Winston uh, popping up. Next. Oh, I'm excited. It's a shame that we don't have a chance to look at this footage, but we're just going to have to wait for a trailer. Yeah, the CinemaCon stuff doesn't. I say... Sometimes that stuff gets out there, but it rarely ever does. So, through CinemaCon. Yep. Alrighty. Next up, Louis Leterrier is racing from the MCU to the Fast Saga. Leterrier, who directed The Incredible Hulk from Marvel Studios and the first two Transporter films, is set to replace uh, Fast and Furious franchise filmmaker Justin Lin as the director of Fast 10. According to Variety, the French filmmaker beat out numerous candidates and was the first choice for Universal Pictures who reportedly considered F. Gary Gray and David Leitch, uh, previous directors of Fast and Furious uh, installments, um, in their search said to cost 600000 to $100 million per day since Lin exited just days into production on the 10th chapter in the Fast and Furious saga. Which, once again, leads credence to my theory that the Fast and Furious franchise and the Transporter are all in the same universe. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, good news for Doctor, Doctor Who fans, the Whovians out there. Uh, we finally get a black Doctor Who, y'all. Uh, in oh, no. The- so isn't it? Isn't, I, heard, I heard something about this. Isn't it the first black male? Because there was well, a first black, black yeah, female. Is, no, no, that is a good distinction. You are correct. Because the future does. And I don't know anything about Doctor Who. I just happened to hear this. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a that's a great distinction. You're right. But also, um, so actor uh, Nikuti Gatwa Gatwa is playing the role of the Doctor in the show Doctor Who coming up after uh, Jodie Foster. Uh, he is known for the Netflix series Sex Education, which I've never seen, but um, uh, I've seen things about. I guess. Uh, he's also amongst the youngest doctors yet. Um, so, yeah, there you go. This was announced uh, Sunday and Twitter. Not necessarily went up in flame, but, um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was all a buzz there. So, cool. All righty. Next up, it looks like we are in Anime Corner officially, so. Anime! Spy X Family gets new makeovers from top manga artists. So Spy X Family is currently taking over thanks to the debut of its official anime, but at the same time, its manga has been doing better than ever as well. To celebrate, the series recently launched its first special fan book in Japan, and thanks to that, fans have been getting all sorts of new details about what went into Tatsuya Endo's creation of the series thus far. Not only that, but the, seri- but the franchise also got some love from some very important manga and anime artists and creators who are also just as big as fans of the series as everyone else. To celebrate, uh, this fan book has a bunch of uh, popular creators, including 
uh, looks at takes from Attack on Titans Hajime Isayama and Hell's Paradise's Hell's Paradise Jikoru Jikokuraku's Yuji Faku. Okay, easy for you to say. Hey, <laughs> I, I you know I'm familiar with Isayama. After that, I was a little lost. Yeah, um, Spy yeah Spy Family is pretty good. You should uh, you should check it out. I watched the first three episodes. I've got to f- complete my sign up oh, for. I gotta complete my sign up for uh, Crunchyroll so I can watch the rest. Okay, yeah, because it's only like wait, it's only four or five. Yeah, I think it's only four. Uh, the next one, oh well, the next one will be out Saturday. I forgot. So yeah, I need to actually watch that. Uh, one Piece unveils a new look at his newest character. Um, the new image was revealed by the series' official Twitter account and provides a look at the young Yuta. Uh, the new character who was recently revealed to be the strange daughter of the red-haired Shanks, uh, of the red-haired Shanks, yes. The powerful cap pirate captain who gave Luffy the straw hat uh, that he, he wears. And this is from the One Piece film Red, not to be confused with Red of the, the DC thing, uh, that will appear, uh, premiere on in Japanese on August 5th and will probably be on bootleg uh, August 7th. <laughs> or not or not you know or not I still haven't been able to see uh, uh, the My Hero Academia Heroes World Mission or World Heroes Mission yet so I you never know I've seen that out there but I don't know if there's an actual thing I have seen it listed but I don't think I don't know if I've actually seen it you've looked okay yeah you know what I'm talking about next up those are, those are not real listings let's put it that way Next yeah, up, I, yeah. Dragon Ball Super promo brings Piccolo's voice actor to the theater. Piccolo first hit the blah, 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 blah. So Piccolo is set to receive a new transformation in Dragon Ball Super Superhero, set to arrive this June in the fight against the Red Ribbon Army. And the voice actor behind the greenest member of the heroes created by Akira Toriyama released a new promo in celebration of Greener Day. Uh, so... Twitter user DBS Hype shared this latest promo that sees Toshio Furukawa celebrating Greenery Day, with Piccolo, of course, being the greenest member of the Z Fighters, though his skin is about to take on a different hue when Dragon Ball Super Superhero arrives this June. Okay. And he's also black. Piccolo is. Yeah, just like Panthro. And he's best. You know, I'm looking at so uh, real, real quick aside. I'm looking at this uh, this, this story on the side. It says Demon Slayer, uh, Demon Slayer fans go to war over the question: Rengoku or Tengen? Tengen. I'm sitting here like, why? Who's doing exactly. Who's doing this? Why? Why? I'm going to is it just because to... you're waiting for more anime? Because the manga's done, so it must be because they're waiting for more anime. So I'm guessing so. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, exactly. That that next arc of that uh, anime hadn't hit yet, and it's going to be a good while. So yeah, I don't know. I'm checking out that article uh, just for giggles. Anyway, Full Metal Alchemist uh, creator draws art for an upcoming sequel. Um, oh, I was about to say, pause this for a second. I was okay. just looking at my list of anime to watch because I I just I just got up to date on Fire Force. Right. Oh, okay. And I have watched and rewatched Haikyuu because I love Haikyuu. Yes, you do. Right. A bunch of times already. It's just fun. Right. It sucks that there's no dub, so I can't compare the dub and the sub. But you know, I've wa- I've rewatched it a couple times already. 
and mm-hmm. a f- no, forget a couple, a few times. Okay, several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Full Metal Alchemist on my list, and I think that's probably going to be where I go. Should I go to Brotherhood and skip the original? Personally, I would say do the original first and and, and then go to Brotherhood. The Brotherhood is more directly tied, uh, more closer to the manga. Right. Um. Again, this is just me saying this. I'm sure there are people who there are a lot of people who would say just skip and go to Brotherhood. Um, because you're getting like a more pure adaptation. Basically, yeah. yeah. And and uh, like I said, um, the the, first, the the original one, yeah, kind of went off the went off the went off the track. Okay. Um, not story wise. Well, I guess some would probably say story wise, but not really story wise. But just because it wasn't you know tied enough to the manga, because I think it would, you know they had to do some filler stuff and whatnot. Got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. It's, I think it's only like, what, 52 episodes for the, for probably both. I can't remember. What yeah. The, for, the, for the first one. Yeah, it's like 50, so, 52, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not losing that much. Then you can, I, from what I remember, you can tell fairly quickly it, if you do happen to go to Brotherhoods where it kind of departs. Mm. Okay. All right, carry on. Uh, what was that? Oh, yeah. So, Full Medical Alchemist, um, the creator, Hiromu Arakawa, it's late, folks. That's what I'm blaming it. Has offered new artwork with imagines a hilarious behind the scenes of the main characters of the series. While Arakawa has moved on from the franchise following its conclusion, the mangaka isn't shying away from, um, isn't shy about returning to the series to celebrate some big occasions. So apparently um, he's working, he started at work on a new manga series in the form of uh, uh, Sugai of the, of the world. There's new artwork from him. In the meantime, that she, that's uh, sees like of Edward, Edward Elric, Alphonse Elric, Scar, and other several other uh, uh, heroes and villains of the series taking an opportunity to break from the filming process of the new Full Metal Alchemist movie dropping into theaters later this month. And you can see uh, samples of the artwork uh, in the show notes. Next. All right. So Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. What will Jojo Lands turn out to be? So, um, okay. With creator Hirohiko Araki already confirming that he is set to return for the ninth part of the franchise, tentatively titled Jojo Lands. It's apparently uh, a good time to, you know, this article is a good time to look at the Joestar's past and present to get a better idea of where the anime series might be headed in the future. So this is an article that provides a lot of background. So if you're looking to uh, get some idea of what's going on with the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, someone like me who has no idea what what's going on other than the fact that these are uh, brawny dudes, apparently, um, you know, take a look at this article. And one woman, uh, but yeah, this this article is like gonna help you try to understand what Jojo's bizarre adventure is. Okay, I can pretty safely say that. Um, common writers Futo Pie was that Futo Pie? Yes, uh, anime sets a number of episodes, so there's going to be a common writer uh, anime, uh, the first one specifically and it's going to be 12 episodes in total uh and it's going to air uh august 1st in japan no word is 
Uh, summer. Uh, no word is when it's going to come over here to the States, looks like. So, look forward to that if you're a Common Rider fan. Next. All right, Trigun, Sunny Boy, and more Funimation exclusives are heading to Crunchyroll. You know, we were just talking about this before. It's time to me. You know, I kind of put it off. It's already the middle of May. I, I wanted to do it the beginning of May to switch over to Crunchyroll. Now we're already in the middle of May. I still haven't done it. Try uh, A new wave of Funimation titles are headed to Crunchyroll, including classics like Trigun and Space Dandy, as well as newer hits such as Sunny Boy. So, uh, you know, this is all part of that merger between Crunchyroll and Funimation. Despite the fact that Funimation is the purchasing company, Crunchyroll has a bigger library and has a more uh, uh, well-settled foundation in the uh, anime world, I think. So that's why everything's being merged under the Crunchyroll umbrella and banner. Yeah, Crunchyroll, in my opinion, Crunchyroll has has a better name, bigger name. Like like people know Crunchyroll at this point. Like yes, they know Funimation from the from the production side, but no. right and Funimation being right and Funimation being the exclusive provider of some anime like Dragon Ball. That's really that you know that obviously that was the reason I've I've spoken about this before on the show. That was the reason why I chose to subscribe to Funimation um, initially because I wanted to be able to watch all of Dragon Ball all the way through. Mm-hmm. And he has successfully done that. Uh, Trigun's actually pretty good. I, I dare say. I think it's on my list. Okay, cool. Yeah. And there's even a movie, but, uh, eh, but yeah, Truck Gun's good. Anyway, um, My Hero Academia gets two original, excuse me, gets original two episode anime this summer. Uh, this year's 23rd issue of Shueisha's uh, Weekly Chonin Jump magazine revealed that the My Hero Academia anime will get a two-episode special that will screen that will first screen in theaters in Japan on June 16th through 19th before streaming online this summer. Um, uh, apparently, one of the episodes will have an uh, original story centering on baseball-loving pro heroes who formed the Hero League Baseball. Um, the and the six seasons coming this fall. And uh, there's no details about the second episode. So, yeah, more uh, My Hero stuff for you My Hero fans before the uh, the next season. Next. You, you should watch it. The, uh, the manga is about to wrap up. It's like in the uh, it's in the end game. I'm going to get to it. Yeah. The manga is definitely in the end game. Now, I'm keeping up with it. I have read the entire manga. I can nice. I, I can I can definitely say that I am I am keeping up with it as it's coming out. It's not coming out as regularly as I would like, um, right. but uh, you know they they are coming out. So you know we'll see how how you know when this finishes in the next coming in the in the upcoming months. All right, so we're transitioning over to the comic book news, but still being in the manga section. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chainsaw Man, Jujutsu Kaisen, and Spy X Family made this month's New York Times bestsellers list. The three popular series, all of which come from Shonen Jump publisher Shueisha, earned spots within the New York Times listing of the top 10 best-selling graphic novels and manga for the past month. Uh, all right, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Marvel, and then we get into comic book news proper. Um, Marvel's Spider-Man 2099 event kicks off with an earth-shattering threat, 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 threat. threat. 
so yeah, Marvel Comics uh, provided CBR with an exclusive preview of Marvel. Actually, I think this is out this week, isn't it? I believe it is. Um, or was it last week? It was last two. week. I think it was yeah. last week. I, I, I skimmed it, but I didn't read it, so I didn't f- feel I was fair to talk about it. Yeah, I, I didn't honestly care. But there's a preview for it. Uh, if you still, if you may or may not be uh, interested in it, there's a preview in the, um, if you haven't read it by now, in the show notes. Next. Uh, Marvel and Dan Slott announce plans to, quote, end the Spider-Verse. So writer Dan Slott is returning to meet to the Spider-Man office for Edge of Spider-Verse, a five-issue miniseries debuting in August that will bring the Spider-Verse saga to a cataclysmic conclusion later this year in The End of Spider-Verse. Ah, oh, okay. Slot will team with a team of writers and artists on Edge of Spider-Verse, introducing all new versions of the web-slinger from across the Spider-Verse. So I'm a fan of the Spider-Verse comic book stories, mm-hmm. so I will be looking forward to this. I know a lot of people don't like Slot. But I, I I don't mind his writing. I thought he was a little overextended on Spidey. He just stayed on for too long. But, you know, his FF has been fun. And hopefully this time off has given him a chance to recharge on Spidey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Slot said, I started the Spider-Verse. I'm going to end it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, actually, this is probably spoilers for something you talked about. But uh, this is from Punisher number two. Uh, Punisher's New Wars pits him up against a massively powerful ex-Avenger, that being yep. Ares, the God yep. of War. Yep, I, yeah, I definitely talked about it, and I and I tried not to spoil it, but that was last week's book, right? Oh, no, two weeks, two weeks, yeah, so yeah, you can spoil it, it's fine. At this point, yeah, yeah. So I was like, it's safe. Um, yeah, that's that. You should go check it out if you're interested. Next up. Yeah, it's not, you know, the, the, the new Punisher series by Jason Aaron is not bad. You know, it's definitely different. So, all right, next oh, wow. up. That is right. I forgot he's back on Punisher because he's done it. He's, this is not his first Punisher run. Right. Uh, Marvel's Star Wars gives Obi-Wan a new spoiler alert. So it's yeah, a. I talked about this right, earlier. Right. Exactly. I was going to say Roddy Cat mentioned this earlier. So just to go back to uh, what Roddy Cat mentioned previously. Mm hmm. Um, Marvel's protectors of protectors of what kind of reveals the origins of the the Black Panthers Dora Milaje Milaje Dora Milaje. I always do that. Don't mind me. It's late. So yeah, um, Karama Horn's history of the Dora Milaje is also a guide through Wakanda's past. Apparently, she's living. She's making some new canon, uh, uh, dealing with the history of the the Dora. Uh, in this book, and this article kind of talks about that. Uh, I'm looking forward to this book. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, and I believe it's on pre-order now um, to come out September 13th. Check it. Next. Honestly, it's funny that we even expected this show to not go this long because there's just so much for us to talk about. You know, not yeah. book-wise, but, you know, obviously MCU-wise. So Yeah, to be fair, we did kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Doctor Strange for, for a minute. Well, there was a lot to talk about because there's a lot to that movie. Uh, yeah. this, this story is Hasbro releases a new collection of Black Panther legacy items, and there are more legacy items to arrive this summer. So celebrating the honor and stories of Marvel Studios' Black Panther, Hasbro is releasing a brand new collection of figures and toys featuring familiar characters out of Wakanda. So we talked a little bit about this uh, previously, 
you know, we talked about the Marvel Legends wave that was coming out that unfortunately does lack a Koye, but does include uh, one box, you know, uh, 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 sold as one piece, M'Baku, where previously he was a Build-A-Figure, with a new re-release of Black Panther, um, Killmonger in the Black Panther suit, Nakia, and Shuri. Uh, we also get um, uh, some cool other toys, like the panther claws a panther mask and and some of the uh and, and some more stuff so you know it's cool that they are re-releasing this for you know as a as a legacy you know mm. i don't know if it's because they just had extra of these yeah i don't know so i didn't i didn't tell you agent uh 70 that uh i did talk about figure list so so you you know where i'm going with this uh but as as i was cleaning up uh, my office I found a bunch of my um my 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 my, my legends and my pops. Right. And I found that set. <laughs> nice. I found that set and I found a but a couple of other sets. I was like, damn, I forgot I bought this set, this whole wave. Wait, so you have the Mbaku wave? Yes. With Namor and No no Namor wasn't that wave. Namor was oh, the no. Okoye wave. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I found that one. I found my Hulkbuster wave. I found there was a couple of I was like, I forgot that I even had these. It's about time. Yeah, and so they're all boxed up until I can finish cleaning up this room. Yeah, so they're just they were moved from one location to another. Yeah, they're still in this room. They're just in a just a, in a box proper. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Because I, I was gonna, I, I was gonna, because I was like, I took some pictures of a couple of stuff. I was like, I can't believe I found some of the stuff. I didn't even know I had some <laughs> half of the stuff. It was crazy. But anyway, we'll talk about it later. Next up. Uh, Shop Captain America Symbol of Truth apparel, accessories, and more. Uh, so apparently, um, uh, in line with uh, Sam's book this week, there's got some merch uh, that is on sale at Amazon now. Um, it's a pillow, uh, it's a, sw- a sweatshirt, and some other stuff. A tote bag, some some. Uh, iPhone cases, well, excuse me, phone cases doesn't necessarily have to be iPhone, but uh, probably is. But yeah, stuff like that. It looks like it looks like a tote bag and a hoodie, pop socket, some other stuff that's out there. Oh, it's uh, straight off of the cover for issue number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure is. So yeah, you can get that out there for you to uh, get if you're so inclined. Next. Okay, in something that I never thought anyone would actually ask for, Spider-Man No Way Home's Electro, that is Jamie Foxx's makeover Electro, zaps into Hot Toys. So, really? Uh, You know, this is a figure that stands approximately 11.41 inches tall and features over 30 points of articulation. Um, this is of course a hot toys toy. It is expensive and you can pre-order the electro hot toys figure for $285. That's crazy. And uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see, uh, the figure with all the accoutrement. So, yeah. Um, Hasbro goes all in. I guess I'm gonna go ahead and take uh, this one and the next one too because they're pretty much related. So, um, short straw. May fourth have happened. Star Wars Day happened. Uh, Hasbro pretty much uh, announced a whole bunch of stuff, including a bunch of new figures and uh, um, some other merch. 
Uh, and this article and the next article pretty much uh, recounts uh, all of that stuff, including um, uh, some retro figures that, man, I saw this box. I was like, I had a couple of those figures because I think I had Luke and Luke Han and Chewie, I think. So they're, they're, um, they're, they're bringing that back. And then there's a uh, 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 Princess Leia from, um, from from Return of the Jedi. There's the um, uh, the the forgive me for this if you have younger folks uh, earmuffs. The the Jizz Crew, uh, the the uh, the the musicians, uh, they have that are now having figures. Uh, um, these stormtroopers, the clone troopers. There's a there's a young Lando, the the Donald Glover Lando. He's got a figure now. Um, oh, there's a Darth Vader head and uh, Force effects um, uh, lightsaber for Obi Wan Kenobi since that's coming out. And then the next article kind of goes into some other stuff, including the lightsaber. Um, uh, looks like a, a Lego Star Wars um, Star Wars Tie Fighter kit. And some other stuff that uh, I won't necessarily go into. And I think um, Luminara Unduli's Legacy lightsaber and Asajj Ventures's uh, lightsaber, uh, both at Galaxy's Edge. So yeah, merch stuff. Next up, Razer announces Star Wars themed Xbox Series X controller, a charging station for Star Wars Day. So uh, it's a pre-release for its limited edition custom Stormtrooper controller for Xbox, just in time for May the 4th. So it features a custom design based on the iconic Stormtrooper armor. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Price, 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 price. A lot. I don't see it. Um, More than likely it's probably going to be... Ah, it's $199. $199.99. Because of the custom, because of the custom nature of the piece, its limited edition status, and blah blah blah, yakety schmackety, and it's officially licensed. Right, and it's Razor because they're not cheap. Uh, meet the Lego Puppets minifigures. So yeah, I, I you would think this is a thing that was already out there, but apparently um, there are minifigs for Lego uh, uh, for for Muppets. Now it's got Kermit, Miss Piggy, and a couple of other folks. My boy Ralph, I believe, is one of them. There's Fozzie. Gonzo, yep, that's my boy Rolf, the Swedish chef, um, Professor, what's the professor's name? I don't know, Beaker, who cares? Beaker is the dude. It's, uh, yeah. uh, that sucks that they're in blind bags, but I guess you gotta stand there and feel them out. That's what this article advises that you do. Yeah, that's kind of sucks. Uh, Professor Honeydew, that's the dude's name. But yeah, th- that's the part that kind of sucks about it. But hey, you know, if you if you're into Muppets, you probably don't care because you probably trade them. You're gonna trade the ones you don't have for the one, or ones you do have for the ones you don't have. Yeah, I. You know what's funny? I never grew. I never came up as a big Lego kid because, you know, I liked action figures. You know, I yeah. I, I just didn't get. You know, my my parents just didn't. I didn't ask for Legos, so they didn't buy them for me. Right. And, you know, I bought Legos for, like, my younger relatives and, and, and nephews and nieces and whatnot. And, you know, they got, you know, they liked them, but then they kind of grew out of them. But I'm looking at these like, man, these are just kind of cool as standalones, which is why they're selling them that way. Right. Oh, yeah. They even got the, um, the, um, the Statler. Yeah, exactly. Well, they got part of the band. Also, yeah. They've got Janice. Oh, yeah. They don't have Dr. Teeth. 
They just have uh, Janice and Animal. Yeah, they have Janice, Animal, and Rolf. They have Swedish Chef. Oh, Rolf is, was a sometime member. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and Sattler and Waldorf. So, mm-hmm. but that's so, such yeah. a cool. Those are such cool characters. Oh my gosh, I feel like that would be like my one reason to go to the Lego store and just pick up these. You know, those are cool. I know, like I saw this. I was like, you wouldn't. You know, it's hit or miss whether whether you would like whether people would like something like this. But it's my business, like who wouldn't? Who doesn't like this? Oh my gosh, that's cool. Next. All right, mm-hmm. so I got next. Yeah, Gotham Knights will no longer be released for PS4 and Xbox One. When the game was first revealed in 2020, it was set to include PS4 and Xbox One versions, but those have seemingly been canceled ahead of release. So an announcement about a new gameplay trailer, uh, publisher Warner Brothers Interactive, included a very short note about the last-gen versions of the game no longer being released. No specific reasoning was given, other than to say that it would provide players with the best possible gameplay experience. Okay. The game is set to arrive on October 25th, for PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC via Steam and Epic Game Store only. That's usually that's usually a reason to give. That's not usually the reason to give. It's just as well because we're far enough into the the, the current uh, current console cycle to where you don't necessarily have to do that anymore. At a certain point, they stopped doing previous version consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's just so. yeah, like you said, there's just a point in time where they just stop. Yeah, so I, I think they probably hit this. But plus, it, it puts more on them for to have to split. So it's just as well. Anyway, uh, Batman podcast just surpassed Joe Rogan to hit number one on Spotify. So Batman Unburied is a brand new uh, podcast from David S. Goyer. Um, it is the number one podcast on Spotify as of this article, which was on May 8th uh, in the U.S. and uh, other countries. Uh, the first two episodes were released on May 3rd, and Spotify's the, the podcast charts revealed that it now sits on top of the that it then sit, sat on top of the top spot and has surpassed that other person's stuff and some other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Next. All right, Action Comics is about to blow fans' minds with an unexpected DC character's return. I mean, hyperbole much? So, uh, in an exclusive interview with CBR, um, writer Philip Kennedy Johnson hinted at the reappearance of a face familiar to DC fans in action comics. The tease is that they're going to see that we're going to see the return of a fan favorite DC character that you do not expect to see in this, but it's going to be a very different take on the character. One that is definitely going to get a reaction out of readers. Okay. Mitzel Blick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have we'll, no idea. we'll see. <laughs> Uh, sad news corner here, uh, folks. Uh, Neil Adams, comic book artist who revitalized Batman and fought for creators' rights, uh, died at the age of sixty. Uh, excuse me, eighty. Pardon me. Um, he died last Thursday. Oh wait, actually, excuse me. Uh, this was on April twenty ninth. Wait. Weird. Anyway, he uh died on the. Uh, on a Thursday in New York of complications from sepsis, um, according to his wife. Uh, but yeah, uh, Neil Adams was. Um, I think I remember seeing some uh, some some of uh, some some of his old Batman stuff right. back in the day. Cause, you know, from my, between my cousin and my brother, I think they were into uh, to Batman at the time. Right. 
definitely was exposed to to some of his work. And of course, you know, people on Twitter were were, were talking about it, um, talking about his death. Yeah, I mean, I had only really seen his art in uh, reprint because he had a short run on Uncanny X Men. Okay, you know, under you know, with the uh, with the uh, the original five. Before right. they started going into reprints, and obviously he was the penciler behind. He drew the cover. I think he drew the issue where, uh, with the first appearance of Havoc. So I remember reading some of that stuff and recognizing his art. But obviously he's most well known for uh, revitalizing the Batman. But a lot of that stuff happened before our time. You know, right. we, you know, Roddy Cat and I both like to joke, you know, about. Um, I'm too old for this shit. But we're not old enough to really have come up during Neil Adams's like heyday. I mean, what is that? Like like 70s, like late 70s, early or no, earlier. Earlier. Was it? Mhm. Earlier. Earlier. It's like early 70s, early to mid 70s. Like, you know, we were just born basically. Right. Right, right. You okay. Know. Gotcha. Okay. Next up. And you know, next up and I'm glad that the story came to me. And what's funny about this, what we just talked about is in 19, you know, like George Perez's art was first published in Marvel in 1975. I don't think I'd been born yet. Right. I was, but I was not. Yeah. Right. That's my point. That, that, that's why that, that's that, that's part of what I was getting at is that's how long ago George Perez was actually working in comics and Neil Adams was his predecessor. So that's right. why we're not we're not as familiar with. Neil Adams's work, um, you know, obviously, you know, they're in the age of reprints and DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited, we can go back and read it. But right. uh, George Perez, you know, you know, I, I tweeted about this. I, I've been posting about this on Instagram. You know, we knew it was coming because he announced uh, that he was not seeking treatment for his uh, pancreatic cancer in back in December. So we've been talking about this kind of uh, chance to give George his flowers. Unfortunately, the shorter end of his timeline of his prognosis uh, came to fruition. George Perez, uh, comic book artist icon, passed away at the age of 67, uh, la- you know, at the end of last week. And, um, you know, it was due to complications from his pancreatic cancer. So, you know, I'm a gigantic, a gigantic fan of George Perez. I'm going to drop my virtual background. And uh, for anyone who is on the video right now, you will see that I actually have, I'm going to turn on an extra light here so they can get some illumination on this. I have a Perez poster in my background. And that is uh, an image of uh, the Fantastic Four that he drew. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm glad that it's up. I actually kept it up in his honor. Um, and you know, now that he's passed away, I'll probably keep it up for a little while longer before I rotate it out. Um, I've also talked about, you know, my, my fandom of Perez since, since the early days, I, I definitely did not catch his, uh, Avengers stuff coming up because like I said, he started in the the mid to late seventies. I only picked up a couple of those Avengers issues as he was transitioning over to work at DC. You know, these are like the red Ronin issues. Um, the, 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 the Jarvis on the cover, you know, where Jarvis is taking over. That is Perez right there. And, um, I remember being in grade school 
like kindergarten, first, second grade, along those lines where I had seen advertisements for the New Teen Titans and I was getting issues of the New Teen Titans and I was in love with that book. And I was way too young to be reading some of those stories. But, right. you know, like the runaway story, how am I going to understand that as a six or seven year old? You know, but I love the art. And the story was a little over my head, but I love the art. And that was all Perez. And I understood the gist of the story because of his incredible storytelling capability. So obviously he's had additional stuff that, uh, you know, laid the foundation for a lot of the stuff that we in comics fandom appreciate now, like Crisis on Infinite Earths, like his revitalization of Wonder Woman. And of course, even though he didn't draw the whole thing in the Infinity Gauntlet series. So... You know, and I like to uh, joke with Roddy Cat about this. He really should read Hulk Future Imperfect. It's a great book. Uh, you know, obviously his 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 PS de Resistance, the the the, the coup de grace on his career was uh, JLA Avengers, which I'm holding up right now. This is the slipcover edition. I was fortunate enough to get a you know to have the scratch at the time to buy this, and I had George sign. Uh, Signed this over two separate signings. He actually signed the slipcover case uh, in a couple of places. You know, here's one and here's the other in the top corner, right? You can see his signature right there. And I actually had him sign. And Tom Smith, the colorist, also signed the main the main uh, re uh, reprint of the JLA Avengers series here. And George also signed this reprinting of the 20 some odd pages that he drew for the original JLA Avengers um, uh, attempt back in the 80s that was aborted, unfortunately, because Marvel and DC couldn't get along. So, you know, my, my bona fides as a, as a fan of Perez should not be questioned, but, you know, I can't say enough. I cannot say enough that he was a titan in the world of comic books, was one of the, the founding... Uh, the, the founding members of like my personal artists, you know, Mount Rush, Mount Rushmore. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it, it was, it was something that still hit me hard as a fan, even though I knew it was coming and it sucks that it wasn't, you know, that the prognosis was so accurate that he literally had six months to live because we're going to presume that when he announced this in early December, um, he had maybe heard of it, heard the announcement maybe like a week or two before. So it was almost six months on the dot. Right. So it was very, it's, you know, it's very tough when doctors and science get things so close on the money. And, you know, he literally had, he, he literally passed away six months into his, you know, in, in, into his knowing. So, mm. um, you know, it was very sad. It was a very sad time. You know, we lost Neil Adams you know, a week before and, you know, we, I think he, I think Neil Adams passed away at like, like the day after we recorded our last show and then we went on movie protocol and then P George Perez passed away. So that I think is the sequence here. So, um, you know, it, it's a sad time as, uh, as fans of, uh, of comic books and, and comic book lore to see these two Titans of uh, creativity pass away so close to each other one was a little older and one obviously you know passed away a little at a at a at an earlier age you know unfortunately at a younger age you know with with so much vitality left in him because of uh, uh because of uh, cancer so you know mm -hmm. 
know, give our respect. We pay our respects and our sincerest condolences to the Adams and the Perez family on their uh, profound loss. And it's a profound loss for uh, the comic book community and, and, and for us here on the Comic Book Chronicles. Indeed, indeed. Uh, kind of weird trying to transition from that, but we will try. Uh, and DC is re-releasing George Perez's uh, tribute art as a Dark Crisis finale variant. Um, this actually came out before, well, this article came out actually before the news of his death came out. So. Yeah, because all because because the publishers were not rushing, but they were trying to get their tributes in, right? right? Uh, you know, uh, if you got, if you recall a few weeks back, Marvel republished some Perez art that he had done uh, for Avengers Disassembled or Avengers Finale, and uh, they had taken the word out, the words out, the the word balloons out, so that it would be Perez's art toasting him as a as an Avenger. You know, once an Avenger, always an Avenger. If you recall, was it was it for for Finale or forever? No, it was an Avengers Finale. Okay, but they 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 had it published in uh, um, that uh, the Avengers book that came out like two three weeks ago, and um, yeah, yeah, I think it was like all over Marvel. I think that so you know it was nice to it was nice that George had a chance to see that, and I think George did have a chance to see this um, this uh, this tribute art. You know, he didn't get to see it published, but he did get a chance to see it. Right. So to which. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see uh, the the image right there. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a nice jam piece. Mm-hmm. As as he is uh, was very good at doing. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Damn good uh, splash pages. Yep. Already next up, so DC has revealed an updated multiverse origin story in a, in its first Dark Crisis release. So a short story in Dark Crisis Special Edition number zero connects events stretching from 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths to Death of the Justice League number 75. So this is from the free comic book day book. Did you get your free comic book day books? No, because I didn't get out. So I totally forgot it was mm. free comic book day. Yeah, we did remind you, but I, you know, what's funny is that they ran out in my shop, my my most local shop. They ran out of the Judgment Day one, the mm. Avengers Eternals X Men one. I did get the Spidey one. I got the DC one, but <laughs> they ran not, out of the Judgment Day one because that's the one that has the first appearance of Blade's daughter. Right. So that's the one that every, that the the comic book aficionados went after. Mm-hmm. Because you know Judgment Day. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, I, I hate it. Cause like I said, I didn't even, I totally blanked on the fact that it was for comic book day until like a day. Well, until later in the day after the stores was closed. Yeah. <laughs> eh, it's understandable. Yeah. So bottom line is, you know, the first page of this free comic book day book, um, pays homage to Perez's work. And where did I put my free comic book day books? Oh no, I think they're still downstairs, but, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a nice little tribute. And then, uh, you know, they go into, um, they go into, uh, you know, how all this is supposed to, supposed to be connected. Yes. Uh, speaking of connections, uh, Frank Miller is launching his own comic books company and bringing back Sin City. Um, so yeah, so Frank Miller and uh, former DC head Dan DiDio are teaming up on a new company called Frank Miller Presents. Da 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 da. 
um, with the Dio serving as publisher and Miller pulling double duty as both creator and curator of comics that fits the style and mold he's well known for. Uh, in a statement, Miller stated that his new venture, which he said to, to have been quietly built up for months, will be a fertile ground for storytellers and new creations. Um, it goes on from that. Da, 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 da. So, yeah. It says here, if you're thinking that uh, FWP may lead to some reprints of his back catalog under his banner, no such luck. His previous work will remain at their respective publishers. Not surprisingly. Also, there was a Teen Titans Go uh, cameo for George Perez that I've never seen. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, I saw, I saw clips of them. Mm-hmm. I never saw the actual episodes that they were in, but that's cool. Yeah, neither did I. I think I saw Still Love It. So. Yep. All right. Archie Comics introduces its first biracial pansexual character, Eliza Hahn. Okay, so they're just trying to cram all the representation into one character. So, um, got a couple of characters. Archie Comics is gearing up to introduce this character just in time for Pride Month. June's a one shot. Archie and Friends, Summer Lovin' Number One, will bring Eliza Hahn to Riverdale to spend time with Veronica's cousin, Harper. Eliza, a biracial pansexual teen with a remarkable backstory as the brains behind a major corporation, will not only bring some diversity to the town, but also a little drama as her relationship with Harper will get in the way of Reggie restarting his romance with the with the Lodge cousin. Okay. Oh, Reggie will also be revealed as bisexual in the story from writer T. Franklin and artist Dan Parent. Really? Sure. I can see that. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Okay. It's Reggie after all. Um, Last but not least, IDW announces executive editorial director and expands editorial staff. Uh, so let's see. IDW, the renowned publisher of comic books and graphic novels, announces this is a press release that I'm reading for. If that wasn't apparent, uh, announces today that they've bolstered their editorial staff with three new hires, uh, onboarding Jamie S. Rich as executive editorial director and Charles Beecham and Russ uh, Busey as director, uh, excuse me, senior editors. Uh, then it goes on to talk about uh, these folks uh, the, in the yadas and the yadas and the yadas. So good on them. They got jobs or they got ups and jobs, I guess. Yep. Uh, cool. And that's it, folks. That's the news. Yep. And now we have our last ad read of the night. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And here we are at the end of this here comic chronicle. Sorry for it's a long, light one, but you know we had a lot to talk about. Uh, I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter. You can find me at TB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore Dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Pop Culture Network dot com and his umbrella site therein. Uh, uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 The Osiris of this ish uh, You can find him at CB Cron on Twitter You can find him, him at uh, The Click Nation on Twitter You can find him at uh, Right in his face well, 
Yes, at thebigclicknation.com, excuse me, and over at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast producer place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple to iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. You can find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m., unless we go on Movie Protocol, which will happen again probably in the next month or two. Um, on uh, the YouTube channel of the Click Nation, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us the, all the good reviews. Five stars. And with that, folks, we're out of here. We'll see you same next, uh, same bat town, same bat channel next week. Um, I don't think we have anything Disney related. Or, not for or, yeah, not until the end of the month. Yeah, so we got a little briefer until um, Obi Wan comes out. So until next week, this has been Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together. 